Well, I think that's part of what he wants, but I think he needs a little red hat that says, make Russia great again. It's kind of a messianic urge. To the world of business. What the budget would do is it would increase taxes overall by uh, 2.6 trillion dollars in new revenues. That is a massive tax increase. This is Balance of Power with David Weston. From Bloomberg World Headquarters in New York to our television and radio audiences worldwide, welcome to Balance of Power. We start today with the White House, where there's a big announcement already today, and it wasn't directly about Ukraine, but certainly indirectly it was because it was about oil and the release from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve that should bring down the price of oil and the price of gas at the pump. To bring us up to speed, we turn now to our Washington correspondent, Joe Matthew. He is host of Sound On Weekdays on Bloomberg Radio. Joe, thanks so much for being with us once again from the White House. So take us through this announcement for the president. Well, he's supposed to speak at 1.30 p.m. Washington time here, David, to detail what we've already been reporting here at Bloomberg. We've seen a number of oil releases from this White House, from the Strategic Reserve, 50 million barrels back in November, another 30 million this month following the invasion of Ukraine. But, David, we've never seen anything quite like this, a rolling release, if you will, of a million barrels a month for the course of six months. Bloomberg reporting that would add up to about 180 million barrels if the U.S. follows that course as projected here. It is unclear exactly what this will mean for prices. AAA reporting right now the national average for a gallon of unleaded is $4.24. The American Petroleum Institute saying today in reaction to this it might provide some short-term relief but is far from a long-term solution. Now David the president is going to also be announcing his invocation, if you will, authorization of the Defense Production Act, as Bloomberg already reported yesterday, to try to find and secure more minerals, more elements that are used to make large-scale batteries, thinking lithium, graphite, cobalt, nickel, and so forth. The president will make that announcement today, apparently, in tandem. And there could be more where that uh, comes from, David. The release from the White House says the president may also use the Defense Production Act to secure safer, cleaner energy. So stand by for more news. That's clearly the big news. And just to go through the math here, it's a million barrels a day over 180 days, six months, and that's how you get yes. to that 180 million barrels. But just one moment here, if you would, Joe, on the, on the briefing yesterday we heard from the White House about uh, intelligence supposedly we have about President Putin's relationship with his military. Yeah, that was something. I don't know if this White House is trying to toy with Vladimir Putin, maybe embarrass him, psych him out a little bit, but they actually went to the extent According to the communications director, Kate Bedingfield, who briefed yesterday of declassifying this information to suggest that military and economic advisors around Vladimir Putin are afraid to tell him the truth, misled him on some of the struggles that his military was facing in Ukraine. Now I'm sure he's making a few phone calls at the Kremlin to find out the truth, David. Yeah, indeed. Thank you so much to Bloomberg's Joe Matthew. You can listen to Joe on Sound On at 8, 5 p.m. Eastern Time every day of the week on Bloomberg Radio. We turn now to the view from the military side of this. And for that, we welcome back retired Air Force Lieutenant General David Deptula. He's the dean of the Mitchell Institute for Aerospace Studies. So, General, thank you so much for being back with us. First of all, let's pick up on what we were just talking about and this announcement from the White House about intelligence. It's not the first time that the White House has been really going into intelligence information about what's going on inside Moscow. You've been involved in more than your fair share of wars, I must say. You have a lot of senior experience in this. Is there a sort of a, a psychological operation going on, a psyops going on here? 
Well, uh, first, it's great to be back on your show, David. Um, you always do uh, great work, and it was a uh, uh, super listening to Joe's uh, reporting, and I think it's appropriate to give credit where credit's due. I think in this case, um, the administration is doing a great job um, releasing intelligence and not keeping it uh, under wraps uh, and using it uh, to our benefit, and that is using truth as a means uh, to educate the world as well as the Russian people um, that uh, Putin uh, has surrounded himself with sycophants, and uh, that's led to some of the disasters that he's been facing. So good job on the White House uh, and the U.S. intelligence community, and I, I dare say the rest of the NATO intelligence community, in making the proper moves with that information. So, so, General, give us your best sense. Obviously, you're not uh, privy to all the internal classified information, but what's your best sense of what the situation is, is on the ground in Ukraine right now, how the Russians are doing, how the Ukrainians are doing? Well, first, any notion that the Russians are scaling back its offensive uh, operations in Ukraine should be met with great skepticism. The fact of the matter is they're not withdrawing their forces. They're simply regrouping them. Um, the other point that I think it's important to understand is that now that the conflict has exceeded a month, it's moved into a sustainment phase. And that's why it's all the more important uh, to get the U.S. and NATO to give Ukraine more powerful weaponry to take advantage of Putin's military disasters, particularly since Russia's now been stalled. And what that means specifically is to empower Ukraine with the weapons that can allow them to annihilate the Russian forces uh, that have occupied or are attempting to occupy their country. For example, um, the Russians have fired over 1,300 missiles now against Ukraine. It's time for Ukraine to reply in kind against Russian airfields, missile launch facilities, and logistics supply facilities. So, um, what I'd recommend is that surface-to-surface -surface missiles need to be added to the list of equipment that uh, President Biden's planning to provide Ukraine, along with fighter aircraft, mm -hmm. along with drones that can make a difference, not just six-pound loitering munitions that are misleadingly being called drones, as well as the training to be able to employ all this kind of equipment. That's fascinating. That's a, it sounds like a significant ramping up, uh, actually putting Ukrainian forces to some extent on the offense against Russia instead of just the defense. On the defensive side, you know so much about uh, 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 air warfare. You've, uh, I think, 3,000 hours as a fighter pilot, something like that. Ha have the surface-to-air missiles, not surface-to-surface, surface-to-air missiles, essentially neutralized the Russian Air Force? Because we don't hear much about uh, air raids from Russia. Um, David, is a combination of both. So far, the Ukrainians have shot down about 130 Russian aircraft uh, and about 145 Russian helicopters. Uh, those shootdowns have been accomplished between air-to-air um, -air, uh, missiles shot by Ukrainian uh, fighters uh, like the MiG-29, as well as uh, their surface-to-air missile systems uh, like the S-300, as well as the Stingers uh, that the United States has provided. Um, so the United States and NATO are, are providing some good tools, uh, but we need to, back on my point in talking about, we've moved into a sustainment phase, 
is Ukrainians are using up those weapons against the Russians. Let me also, if I may, just caution something you said. Um, it's important to remember that the Russians are the aggressors here. And with respect to weapons, there's no such thing as an offensive weapon or a defensive weapon. It's how you use that weapon. Since the Russians are the aggressors, everything the Ukrainians are doing are is in defense of their country. So every weapon they use is a defensive for a defensive purpose. And, and I think that's very important to remember. That is a great point. I'm really glad you made that point. That's why you're a warrior and I'm not. You really understand the way this works. It's a really important thing to keep in mind. One more point here, though, General. You, again, have experience in war. What happens when you have a negotiation going on? There seems to be negotiations. We don't know if they're going to go anywhere or not. At the same time, there's warfare going on. What are the risks? What are, what are the issues that are raised when you're trying to do both at the same time? Well, uh, first, the Ukrainians should not let up for one second while negotiating, uh, while negotiations are proceeding. The Russians are going to use negotiations to prolong the effort because they believe the time's on their side. This is why resupply of Ukraine is so important uh, to demonstrate that the longer this goes on, uh, the more uh, Russian forces um, are going to get killed. Uh, and it's, it's important to achieve a definitive defeat of Russian forces in Ukraine because that's not only going to rob Putin of the necessary force structure to launch subsequent invasions, uh, which he clearly has planned, but it's also going to dial up internal resistance inside Russia from families who are having their sons and daughters die in combat. So the devastated mother factor can't be discounted in any country, even in Russia. Uh, and so the Ukrainians need to keep it up uh, and ultimately uh, force the Russians uh, to come to a negotiated settlement. One last question, General, if I may, and that is, in addition to what we're seeing from the military and to some extent in some negotiations, we also have seen a massive attempt at sort of economic warfare and the sanctions that have been levied by the U.S. and its allies against Russia. Are we seeing any effect on the military in Russia because of those sanctions? The short answer is no. Sanctions take time to have an impact. Uh, and I believe that we need to in, in keep the sanctions in effect, uh, but with a long-haul view to collapse Putin's economy. Now, Putin's a hard-power realist, and we need to pull the levers tied to his ability to stay in power, and sanctions are one of those levers. Uh, in other words, it's what will ultimately make the Russian population question whether Putin's actions in Ukraine are worth their support. It's always so very good to have you with us. That's retired Lieutenant General David Deptula. Coming up, City Global Chief Economist Nathan Sheets on the U.S. economic numbers out this morning. Are we seeing demand destruction? This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and on radio. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and Radio. I'm David Weston. We always want to keep you up to date with news from all around the world. And for that, we turn to Mark Crumpton with First Word. 
David, thank you. The U.S. will release roughly a million barrels of oil a day from its reserves for six months. The move underscores White House concern about rising gas prices and supply shortages following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The White House calls the move unprecedented and says it will provide an historic amount of supply to serve as a bridge until the end of the year when domestic production ramps up. We'll hear more about this later today when President Biden speaks from the White House. Meantime, OPEC and its allies are still refusing to engage with the energy crisis triggered by the war in Ukraine. At a meeting today, the OPEC Plus coalition, as expected, decided to stick to its schedule of gradual production increases. The cartel ratified the 232,000 barrel a day supply increase scheduled for May. That came before the U.S. decision to release oil from emergency stockpiles. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says Russia is not keeping its promise to scale back near the cities of Kyiv and Chernihiv. Speaking at a news briefing in Brussels today, he said Moscow is trying to regroup in the eastern Donbass region while maintaining pressure on Kyiv and other cities. Stoltenberg said NATO still stands with Ukraine. We need to continue to supply um, uh, uh, weapons uh, to Ukraine. NATO allies will continue to uh, provide uh, supply weapons to Ukraine uh, as long as necessary. This is extremely important because Ukraine is uh, fighting a war for freedom, for democracy, for our uh, shared values. Ukraine says negotiations with Russia on a ceasefire could resume virtually tomorrow. That would pick up on face-to-face -face discussions in Turkey this week. The Omicron variant of COVID-19 may be more severe in young children than previous waves of the virus. That's according to a new Hong Kong-based study, which found the strain linked to more hospitalizations, severe complications and deaths, particularly in unvaccinated children. The researchers are urging health officials to consider vaccinations for kids under the age of three. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Mark Crumpton. This is Bloomberg. David? Thank you so much to Mark. Uh, we got economic numbers out for the United States earlier today, and they showed the consumers spent more money, but when you adjust for inflation, the number actually went down rather than up. To explain what this might tell us about the state of the economy, welcome now Nathan Sheets. He's City Global Chief Economist. So, Dr. Sheets, thank you so much for being back with us. It's always great to have you. Is this an indication maybe the, the economy is weakening? I think that we're seeing that the headwinds on the consumer sector are, are mounting. And uh, part of that is the inflation story and rising energy prices. Uh, I think part of it may actually be a, a fiscal drag so that the support from fiscal policy that has been so important uh, for the consumer uh, through the pandemic, it's phasing. Uh, out and uh, and uh, starting to uh, even turn negative. And I think we're seeing some of that in these numbers. And kind of putting it together, consumer sentiment is starting to soften. Now, lest I sound too negative, uh, the consumer also has a fair amount of, of momentum. And so the headwinds are becoming more intense, but the momentum is still there. 
how it all plays out in coming quarters is is an open issue. Yeah, well, the fiscal drag is a really important point that we forget year over year, there's not nearly as much fiscal stimulus coming into the economy. And I guess that's what you mean by fiscal drag. But I guess one of the things I'm a little perplexed about is, is this good news or bad news? Because we want to get inflation down. Can we get inflation down without this sort of drag? Uh, I think this is this is the question is that the Federal Reserve and economic policymakers in thinking about the economy, they want to bring inflation down. In order to bring inflation down, the economy's got to slow some, but they don't want it to slow too much because then they've got to face recession risk. And so they're, they're trying to find kind of that Goldilocks, that soft landing where there's some moderation, but not too much moderation. So some slowing, but uh, uh, contained slowing is, I think, what we're hoping for in the in the numbers. Well, and Nathan, that takes us forward to uh, tomorrow when we get the jobs numbers for the United States. And I guess I have a similar question. Uh, can we get inflation under control if we do not have more un unemployment? We have, we have a very tight labor market uh, at the moment. And the thing that's extraordinary about it is it's already very tight. And the ongoing demand for labor, particularly in the services sector, is, is very significant. And uh, we're starting to see those effects pass through into higher wages and more uh, inflationary pressure. And you know, we continue to hope that there's a chunk of people on the sidelines that are waiting for the pandemic uh, to be in a better place, who uh, have family obligations that may change as the pandemic improves, or people who have retired that decide they want to come back. Uh, but this labor market may mean higher wages still, more inflationary pressures. And that does pose a challenge to this soft landing scenario that I was describing. Well, let's go back to those economic projections out of the Fed that we had a couple of weeks ago, because they projected that we're going to have more inflation, that we're going to have higher rates, and, the, and yet the unemployment rate would not go up at all. Is that realistic? Do you think there are enough people waiting on the sidelines that might happen? Well, when Jay Powell was asked that question, uh, it, was, it was a very challenging answer. And uh, I think it is difficult to get economic slowing with uh, kind of an immaculately flat unemployment rate. Maybe that's possible. Maybe uh, we'll be able to find some pockets of labor that are not tapped yet. Uh, but I think it's going to be challenging. And the possibility that we might see a higher unemployment rate, which often builds on itself, yeah. And, and, and generates recessionary, meaningful recessionary pressures uh, is, is a distinct possibility here. Nathan, finally, you mentioned the possibility of recession. What do you put that possibility at? I think that globally, uh, it's around a third. Uh, the geopolitical situation, the energy situation is very severe. I think in the United States, we are insulated in notch. But Alan Greenspan once said that the United States cannot long remain an island of prosperity and stability in a world that's struggling. And uh, when I think about kind of the global situation, coupled with the Federal Reserve potentially hiking very rapidly, maybe one in four over the next 18 months, it is, it is significant, David.
It's always such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Nathan. That's Nathan Sheets. He is City Global Chief Economist. Still to come in this program, we're going to talk with famed pollster Frank Luntz about how voters are reacting to the war in Ukraine and, for that matter, to continued inflation. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and Radio. The jobs report last month beat estimates. We have a very tight labor market. It is pretty clear. Historic recovery in our labor market. One of the best labor markets in a generation. This Friday, Tom, John, Lisa, and Mike will bring you the data and analysis as the numbers cross the Bloomberg. More people are coming into the labor force. It's going to decelerate the wage gains. Is that good? As the Fed looks to contain inflation, and it's really important that the jobs recovery continues. The March Jobs Report, Friday on Bloomberg Television and Radio. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and Radio. I'm David Weston. Today is the end of the quarter, and what a quarter it has been. To take us through just what a quarter it's been, we welcome now Abigail Doolittle. So, Abigail. That really encapsulates it, what a quarter it's been. I mean, it's just been a rocky, wild ride. And if you remember, at the very beginning of the year, it was up, up, and away for stocks until yeah. the following week, it wasn't. So, you know, volatility is really the key theme for this first quarter. Uh, but overall, stocks lower, but not as low as they could have been, because the S&P 500 on the quarter uh, down 3.7%. But at one point, David, oh. if you remember, the S&P 500 had been down more than 10%. The NASDAQ 100 down more than 15%. So we've seen this big recovery in March, for sure. Yeah, and then bonds. Well, bonds, that's the probably... the quarter ever or something, right? Well, that's probably the bigger... You I should know, say actually, worse. That is, they lost the most value. Well, mean, that, if you were you short know, bonds, you were doing fine. Yeah, if you were short <laughs> bonds, you were doing fine. And now that you say that, I'm actually going to put in the Treasury uh, commodity to see, because it's different if you look at it sometimes from yields. But yeah, the two-year yield right now, uh, the biggest spike up going back ever since records have been kept, 1976. And relative to 10-year notes, I'm actually just waiting for this to pull up in the Bloomberg. But yeah, that's been probably even the bigger story. I mean, if this, the declines had stuck for stocks, that would perhaps be equal. But this massive backup that we've had in yields and the you know the selling of bonds has just been incredible. But well, I'm going to get personal here. It's yeah. a challenging quarter for you as well, because you always say it's all about the Fed. This quarter, certainly the Fed was a factor. But we also had Omicron, yes. which really affected things. Yes. And then we had a war in Ukraine. Yes. So the markets had to contend with at least three different waves of challenges. And that's probably a key driver of the volatility. Like volatility represents uncertainty, confusion. Investors simply don't know. So there's all these different factors. But I would say it goes back to the Fed, that liquidity. I mean, prior to the pandemic, I think that the Fed's balance sheet was called $4 trillion. No small amount. But now, $9 trillion. And by the way, they are still buying ever so slightly. Everybody thinks that it's coming in, but that liquidity is still there. Relative to bonds, the actual 10-year note, the biggest decline going back to 2009. So not as dramatic in price relative to yields, but either way, lots and lots and lots of moves. And oil, how much was it up on the quarter? 41%. That's just incredible. But President Biden tried to address that today. <laughs> yes. Well, right. it'll be interesting to see what you know comes of that address. And it looks exactly. like there will be, based on that exclusive reporting, yeah. that uh, release yeah. from the U.S. Reserves. So great summary of the quarter. Thank you so much to Abigail Doolittle. Coming up, is President Biden's handling of the war in Ukraine helping him with his approval ratings? We're going to ask famed pollster Frank Luntz. This is Bloomberg.
This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and Radio. I'm David Weston. Keeping up to date with news from around the world, we're going to go now to Mark Crumpton with First Word. David, thank you. Russia will stop gas suppliers to buyers from what it calls unfriendly states tomorrow unless they comply with its demand that payments be made in rubles. In a televised address today, President Vladimir Putin said buyers will need to open ruble accounts in Russian banks if they want Russian gas. He says the ruble payments are an important step in strengthening Russia's financial situation. The United States is stepping up the pressure on Moscow over the war in Ukraine. The Biden administration announced new sanctions on Russia's economy today, targeting what it said was Russia's biggest chipmaker and largest exporter of microelectronics. 21 entities were hit with penalties today. A previous round of restrictions was announced by President Biden last week. CIA Director William Burns has tested positive for COVID-19 and has mild symptoms. Burns, who was vaccinated and boosted, met with President Biden yesterday, but was wearing an N95 mask, was socially distanced, and was not considered a close contact to the president. The CIA says Burns will work from home and plans to return to the office after isolating for five days and testing negative for the virus. President Biden received his second booster shot yesterday. There's new research into an anti-parasitic drug that's gained some notoriety as an alternative treatment for COVID. Ivermectin has not been authorized as a COVID therapeutic. Scientists in Brazil allowed more than 1,300 patients who took either the drug or a placebo over three days. They found the medicine didn't help keep patients out of the hospital or lower the risk of death. That study was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Mark Crumpton. This is Bloomberg. David. Thank you so much, Mark. Well, President Biden has had a rather bumpy path on, in polls the last few months, starting with the escape from Afghanistan, which didn't go the way we would have wanted, and then inflation coming on board and actually Omicron coming back. Well, the question now is, is that changing because of his handling of Russia's inflicting of a war on Ukraine? Because he's getting a lot of high marks from various quarters for the way the president is handling that. For some answers, we turn now to Frank Luntz. He's a famed pollster and CEO of FIL, Inc. So, Frank, thank you so much for being with us. Really appreciate it. Are his poll numbers coming back? Uh, slightly, and they certainly stopped the fall. You're correct that Afghanistan was the moment for him that things turned bad. The, the public was very resentful about how he left. You saw the visuals. And David, what this has taught me over the last few months and few years is how important the visual is in media. If you see a collapse, a crisis, that, it, that triggers greater uh, public movement than anything that's written in the newspapers. And what they saw in Afghanistan was a failure. What they see in Ukraine right now is a tragedy. It's a disaster. And people do not blame the president for that. So, in fact, his fall over the last three or four months has stopped. Uh, the public still does not credit him for success with inflation. They still hold him responsible for what's happening at the border. But the war in Ukraine is helping him in his attributes, in his leadership traits. Uh, they're not great numbers, but they are good numbers. And it's the only thing that Biden is being rated positively on at this moment. 
so Frank, uh, you're absolutely right. We're seeing the tragedy in Ukraine, particularly in places like Mariupol. We can't believe the death and destruction being wreaked there. At the same time, another thing we see typically on our evening news, for those of us who still watch some evening news, is the prices at the gas pump. You talked about the inflation issue. We had the president come out earlier today and say we're going to release, oh, and he's about to come back. I'm sorry. He's about to come out in about an hour, and we expect he's going to release a fair amount of, of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserves. So, so if you compare inflation and the way he's handling with Ukraine, which is more important to the voter? It's definitely inflation. It's food and fuel. And it's every single day, it's every voter. It doesn't matter whether you're from Massachusetts or Montana. Inflation affects everyone, and it's hour by hour. We have to eat. We have to turn on electricity. We have to use our cars or vehicles to get to work. And that's holding back uh, the president from assuming any kind of credibility right now. The public believes that he didn't create, and I want to emphasize, the public believes he didn't create the problems in Ukraine, inflation, uh, crime, um, uh, uh, immigration. They don't believe he created it, but they do believe that he's failed to solve it. And our expectations for him are higher based on what he said during the campaign, based on how he promised to govern. And quite frankly, he ran as Harry Truman, a centrist Democrat. He sought to govern as Franklin Roosevelt, very much a progressive. And when you look at the results, it feels more like Jimmy Carter. Well, that's not a place that the president probably wants to be, I think it's fair to say. Frank, let me take a turn now to something that we saw about last Sunday at the Academy Awards when uh, Will Smith went up and smacked Chris Rock on a stage in front of millions and millions of people. And the aftermath of that, people are still talking about it. Is that a one-off? Was that just specific to that particular instance and particularly to the entertainment industry? Or does it tell us something broader about our society right now? Well, this is part of the culture wars, and I wish they were not happening because they're div divisive. They are people get mean about it. Will Smith has apologized to every individual with one exception. He hasn't said, said anything to young men that this is not how you behave, that if someone tells a joke you don't like or someone's offensive to you, that doesn't give you the right to hit them, doesn't give you the right to do a violent act. And my fear, David, and, and this is way outside the political realm, but it is certainly about American culture, is that young men who follow Will Smith, he won more awards than any other actor in the, in the Kids' Choice Awards. He is respected by young people. He was revered by them. If he doesn't tell young men, do not do this, I'm afraid that you're going to see them acted out again and again. His own son tweeted, this is how we do things. Well, no, it's not. And, and culture is essential to behavior. It's essential to who we are as a country. And this is just another example of a role model. And he is a role model, whether we like it or not. People do follow him of a role model doing bad behavior and not taking responsibility for it. Again, it doesn't matter what he says to Chris Rock. It doesn't matter what he says to the Academy. What matters? is young people seeing him and acting out exactly as he did. And Chris Rock actually had his first public appearance in Boston and came out. And he had, I think, a two-minute standing ovation, and he was rather emotional about it, but said that was not the time he really wanted to address it. He hasn't really addressed it fully. At the same time, uh, these are not the only role models in our society. I, I wonder if there are some connections, or maybe this is really a strain to try to make a connection with some of our political leaders and the way they've conducted themselves, maybe not physically hitting one another, 
Uh, but but the way that they use words can sometimes be an assault as well. Absolutely. Our previous president and how he talked about women was ridiculous and reprehensible. Uh, the current president, in the middle of a debate, telling his opponent to shut up. This is not how Americans used to behave. This is not part of who we were. But it is part of who we are, David. And, and I'm afraid for the future. Young people are getting all the wrong messages. There's a reason why they're acting out. There's a reason why there's an increase in violence in schools. That picture that you have up there of Will Smith acting that way, I'm afraid of what's going to happen in high schools across America. I teach in the inner city in Watts in California, and I'm going to be in front of my students on Sunday. I can't wait to hear what they have to say to me, but I got to tell you, if we don't learn apology, if we don't learn humility, then we've learned nothing as a, as a society, and things are only going to get worse for us. Okay, so Frank, finally, let me turn this around, if I can, in this sense. You know people so well. You do so many focus groups on so many subjects. Is there an opportunity for some leader, actually, to step forward and take a different tack and really stand up for decency, for basic manners, for treating people with respect, and maybe garner some support? Absolutely. We got two people on the Republican side and two people on the Democratic side. Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina, thinks and acts with his heart, not with his gut. Ben Sass from Nebraska, the senator, has written books and has studied parenting, and that's more important to him than policy. On the Democratic side, Mitch Landrieu, there is no living politician who loves people more and gets them and interacts with them than the former mayor of, of New Orleans, who's now running Barack Obama's infrastructure campaign, and and either Michael Bennett, the senator from Colorado, or Cory Booker, the senator from New Jersey. These are people who speak out of compassion rather than out of hate. Both parties have people like this. The question is, will, be, will they be destroyed by others who only mm. seek to divide, who seek to criticize and condemn? Again, David, I'm nervous about our future. Frank, uh, despite your nervousness, it's really great to have you with us. That's Frank Luntz. He is the CEO and founder of FIL, Inc. Coming up, we go to Lviv, Ukraine, for a report on the humanitarian crisis from the Emergency Communications Coordinator of Medicine South Frontier. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and Radio. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and Radio. I'm David Weston. We hear about it and we see it every single day, the humanitarian disaster in Ukraine, what is being done to so many innocent civilians every single day. But there are people in Ukraine who are fighting to try to protect these people, provide for them. We're going to go now to somebody who represents that group of people. She's Avril Benoit. She is Emergency Communications Director for the organization we call Doctors Without Borders. They have a French name, but I never took French, as I just said to her. Thank you so much for being with us. You're in, as I understand, Lviv. Uh, give us a sense what's going on on the ground in Lviv, Avril. Yeah, Lviv is actually um, very safe uh, if you ignore the air raid sirens, uh, which sometimes happen five times a day, which, of course, we don't. We go into the basement. But the, um, the, this is a city, uh, UNESCO heritage site, where uh, it's considered relatively safe. Um, at least, you, if you could say anywhere in Ukraine is 
uh, safe. Uh, so a lot of uh, displaced people, maybe 200,000 people from other parts of Ukraine have ended up sheltering here. Uh, we're using it as a, a main supply base because what, one of the, the main things that medical doctors, hospitals, and nurses have told us around Ukraine, where they have a highly developed medical system, highly trained and skilled medical expertise, they have told us they lack certain things, certain supplies. So uh, we bring it in through Poland for the most part, uh, through Lviv, and then dispatch it out to various hotspots around the country. And the other thing that uh, we've been able to do here, uh, as well as in many uh, parts of the country, is uh, offer something that the Ukrainian uh, physicians, as skilled as they are, uh, just don't have, and that is we're trying to share our expertise in mm -hmm. war wounded, in triage, in mass casualty responses and things like that. So Avril, as you know, I've discussed, you're in the field, I'm not. So I'm not sure how it works, but I'm inclined to ask, take us from the west where you are across to the east and the gradations of the level of problems that you're facing. Sure. Well, you see the map of uh, some of the places where we're working. Uh, it's not entirely complete because we're not uh, necessarily always indicating where we're working, but you can see Lviv over there on the left uh, by the Poland border. Uh, and then you have uh, a certain number of areas around uh, the borders, uh, you know, any number of countries where you have people who have fled. Uh, the United Nations Refugee Commission uh, says that there are, you know, just millions and millions, and they tabulate it every day. Uh, but in places like uh, Poland, in uh, Hungary, in Moldova, you have uh, displaced people. In Ukraine itself, though, that's where you have the most. And uh, as you move uh, further into the interior to the capital of Kiev and then uh, onward into the east, those are the, the real hot zones. And coming down to the south, you have Mariupol. Mariupol being the, the city uh, that is entirely encircled, uh, perhaps even completely besieged. And there are very daring rescues that are happening to try to get people out and medical supplies in and other kinds of life-saving supplies into Mariupol, um, largely led by the International Committee of the Red Cross, which, of course, has that particular mandate to negotiate that sort of access. And then what we're doing is positioning our medical teams uh, in the various places where people are, are, are likely to come out, uh, because we can then uh, perhaps um, facilitate the transfer of those patients to safer places like Lviv, where they can get higher levels uh, of care in a relatively safe environment. So, Avra, we're simulcasting on radio as well as television, so I'll just try to describe what we saw for our television audiences. For our radio audiences, what we saw was some operations for Medicine Sans Frontier over in the western part of the state, almost on the border with Moldova, going over toward Poland, obviously in Lviv. Then also I saw down in the south, around Odessa, it looked like, and then operations in Kyiv as well. Talking about Mariupol, which seems to be just a terrible tragedy right now, can you get medical supplies into Mariupol at all at this point? We cannot. We have tried a number of times, and I know that there's a, always a, a convoy on standby, standby that is trying to make the attempt. So as I understand it, uh, there is a, an attempt going on right now, uh, as I say, with the, unit, uh, with the ICRC. Uh, in the lead, and uh, we very much hope that they can have uh, that access. One of the things that we encountered when we had um, supplies loaded on flatbed trucks trying to, to reach uh, Mariupol is that the road was just littered with mines, with uh, improvised explosive devices and things like that. And certainly you can move little cars 
um, zigzagging through uh, the, the debris on the road and the various uh, mines, but you cannot move trucks. And so for us, uh, this was a, a massive um, uh, and devastating uh, missed opportunity to bring supplies in and then at the same time bring people out on the other side. Uh, Avril, uh, most of us think about uh, what you need to do over there is related to injuries from the war. At the same time, there were infectious disease issues in Ukraine before this happened, I've read about. Uh, what was the medical state in Ukraine and to what extent has that been exacerbated by this war? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because certainly, uh, you know, a lot of the, the attention right now is on war wounded and trauma. What we're seeing though, is that uh, as we have seen for many, many years, there is um, with this elderly population, chronic disease, which now with the war is, is left unaddressed uh, to some extent, while the hospitals are, the Ukrainian hospitals are prioritizing the war wounded. Um, the others who need to come in and deliver babies and children who need vaccinations and all the other care uh, that people need, um, people with diabetes need their insulin. Um, these are the areas uh, which risk being neglected. Um, the other thing we're seeing is that people who are older, have less income, maybe no car, have not been able to flee cities mm. like Kiev. And so they're at home alone. Uh, they don't have their medications or they've run out. They don't have the energy or the mobility physically uh, to be able to, to go and stand in line at a pharmacy that's run out of stock. So there are all these gaps that, that are beginning to emerge. And these are what you might call the knock-on effects. So you'll have the, those who are, are killed and injured by direct impact of the war. And then you're going to have those who become sick as an indirect impact of the war. And so that is certainly an area of focus for the medical humanitarian intervention we're doing. Monumental task. Thank you so much for sharing with us. That's Avril Benoit. She is Emergency Communications Coordinator for Medicine Sans Frontier, and she is coming to us today from Lviv, Ukraine. Coming up, we're going to check in on reaction in the oil markets in anticipation of President Biden's expected announcement on the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and on radio. Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and Radio. I'm David West. In a short time from now, President Biden is expected to make an announcement of a release of a very large amount of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, something like one million barrels a day over six months, to try to address the problem of the rising price of oil. To give us a report on this move and what it could mean for oil markets, we welcome now Kevin Crowley. He's Bloomberg News reporter from Houston. So, Kevin, thanks for being here. Uh, is this a drop in the bucket? Will it make a difference? Um, it is making a difference in the in the short term. Prices have dropped uh, five percent today already, and we're even seeing movement in the in the long term oil uh, futures curve. So, it's de it's definitely making a difference. This is the uh, the biggest SPR release in history, three times what they they've ever done before. Um, and uh, it's really it's part of a three pronged strategy here by the Biden administration to help down uh, help bring down gasoline prices. Number one, you have the SPR release. Um, number two, you have um, um, increased penalties on um, oil producers who are not using leases. And number three, uh, doubling down on, uh, on clean energy. Biden even used the, the phrase um, weaning uh, the U.S. off oil production altogether in a, in a, statement, in a statement today. 
So um, this is really an aggressive move to bring down gasoline prices. So an aggressive move. Give us a sense of the timeline of those three elements. How long will it take with the strategic petroleum reserve barrels to make it into the system, get refined and turn up at the gas pump? How long uh, before they can get people producing more back here in the United States? And how long before we get clean energy ramped up? Well, it's, it's, a good, it's a good question. Clearly, the, the SPR release is the, is the, is the shortest, shortest term um, aspect of the plan. Um, the, the administration is calling for about a million barrels a day or so. Some analysts are um, skeptical as to whether that can actually be f physically achieved. The SPR release was not really set up to, um, to deliver so much oil to the, to the industry so, uh, uh, so quickly. Um, the second, the second prong attack to to increase uh, increase domestic oil producers. Well, the domestic oil industry, especially here in Texas, say this is completely misguided. Increasing penalties, um, um, increasing fees on the industry is no way going to encourage in, encourage more oil production. In fact, it would do the opposite. Um, and the move to clean energy is obviously a very long-term plan that um, is is questionable as to whether um, you know, the uh, the country will even will even get there. I mean, weaning ourselves off of oil production is is uh, we're a very very long way from that um, altogether. But uh, these three measures certainly not going down too too well here in Texas. Um, oil producers very very unhappy with this. Um, they really want a constructive dialogue with the Biden administration. They say um, rather than one that. Um, and penalizes them. Yeah, in the meantime, everybody's watching those prices of the pumps and nobody's been enjoying it very much. Thank you so very much for being with us. That's Bloomberg's Kevin Crowley reporting on oil from Houston. Check out the Balance of Power newsletter. That is on the terminal and it's also online. Coming up on Balance of Power, we'll continue on Bloomberg Radio. In our second hour, we're going to talk to former HP CEO Carly Fiorina about how you manage risk in a very risky environment, which is what we have now. And this is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and on Radio. Radio. Audio Jungle. of Ohio State. Hi, everybody. Stake over the heart of the plate was in the two-hole, but has transitioned into this leadoff slot for Ohio State. And Lakatena catches the outside corner. Six knocked in. And that ball lifted to second. And it's taken out there. Getting the start at catcher, Johnson Abernathy, Riley Smith left to right in the outfield. That ball is hammered to left center. That is crushed. And as she always does, Jenny Dalton Hill astutely talking about Hackenbracht in our open. And she goes yard to lead things off of the Buckeyes. Well, and when we talk about home runs, she has just been on a hot streak 
able to come away now with eight of her last nine home runs being hit in the last 11 games. So for her, she is seeing the ball big. Lacatena makes a huge mistake in that leadoff pitch, trying to get ahead early. Lacatena touched up, and that will bring up Carver, who immediately he had been sitting in the two bump in the five, but now Audie moved back down to that five slot in the lineup. And ball's lifted to the left side. Stoddard will handle it in foul ground, but not before the ball. And that's a pretty pitch on the outside part of the plate. That bunt is dropped down, nicely done, and play in the dirt, and they say it's safe. And that's what you do, and Riley Smith is, I think she's been better and better at that. Hanley, boy, the 0-2 pitches. A good one, and she is painting the corners early. Now another good lefty out of Auburn, who's now playing at Ohio State. Off the fist, Abernathy takes it back up the middle, and that's going to be a base hit. Just now Smith to get a jump from second. And Abernathy from first with two outs in the first. Lifted to short left. And taken in out there, and that's it. No runs. Outscoring its opponents 24-6 in the first and second innings, and that one's going to fall for a base hit. Again, a nice job just fighting off a pitch and muscling into the outfield. Bumps through that. And that's what you don't want to do if you're a pinch runner, is to come in and fall down and get caught up. And you got to feel for Little tapper, oh, that's the second time I've seen that this weekend. There was, I know you're saying what in the world, but watch, it hit something and went down. He approached that ball, Lacatena reached for it, and then the English, oh, maybe it hit something out there, but that was a crazy play. There's a little bloop to short, they get the lead runner. Yeah, miss, and wow, miss Tobias. Tobias. No, I think that's exactly what it is, but it's also a midweek after a tough weekend, knowing that you got to go to LSU the next weekend. That ball is hit really well and gone. I don't know that they could have turned the double play, but man, that happens after that mental error. Second homer of the game for the Buckeyes. And they lead. Typically likes to hit gap to gap shots, but this one, a no doubter, gets all of that one. Her second home run of the year and gives Ohio State a three nothing lead last year. And that ball is lifted to center and it'll be caught. But for Ohio State in the second. Piece of that third game against Auburn is they were able to Kentucky was able to play error-free in a series finale, and they were on an eight-game stretch with an error in each one. And 
and Stoddard. And that curveball tail away from a left-handed batter. Not a lot of strong left-handed pitchers in the nation, so it's a different look. Grounder to first and played nicely by Carver, who takes it herself for out number two. So Hanley works one and two. Wow. Six batters. She struck out four of them. So Spangler set to work against Bump, and that's right back to the pitcher and thrown away. That'll be an error on Spangler on the throw. Had the push count a little deeper and also find those mistakes. Got a good cut at that one. Boy, and they just did get the runner at second. And here's Nikki Carver. After the home run, she was hit by a pitch, and now she's going to be on via an infield hit. That one's lifted to center. Abernathy's under it. Epley tags it second but holds. And a nice job by Stoddard to block the throw. And they're two away. Singled in her only plate appearance. That ball's hit pretty well to center, but Abernathy has got a beat on it and hauls it in. That's a chopper that's going to be trouble. Boy, did you see that right there? It's like that ball took that same right-handed turn. The box to hit for Kentucky. Kowalik hoping to get a good swing on this 0-2 pitch from Hanley. And that's going to be another tough play. That time made nicely, though. Tobias able to advance. That ball knocked right back up the middle for a base hit. They're going to bring, oh, I thought they were bringing Tobias home. It was into short center field. Probably a good call on the part of. And because Audie just brings it into second, they're on the corners. Koffel with a fly ball to the right side. That's a difficult play. But a nice play that's made there. Now falls back to normal depth for Ohio State. Boy, and that one caught a lot of the plate, but it caught the corner as well. Up in the Kentucky pen. Got a couple of folks up for the Buckeyes with sweatshirts on, and that ball is lifted to left. This mix of pitches. Nice play by Stoddard. Who didn't have to move at all. And that one's lifted to center again. Not enough. And nothing going for the Buckeyes in the fourth. Thrown by Handley as she works into the bottom of inning number four. Chopper to third. Boy, that was a nice play down there by Bump. That's strikeout number six. Yep. Got her on strikes. Strikeout number. Slide out to, sec to center in the second. 
ball over to the right side of the diamond and taken care of by Amy Blaine, who re-entered for Tobias. Pulls the string, beautiful changeup. Squares to bunt and makes Smith field it. Excuse me, Harrison. And an X in the fourth. And she pounds another one in the left field for a base hit. Not a starter when the year began, but got a start when they were down at USF and has not left the starting lineup since. Hot shot to Koffel. And she goes to the middle of the diamond for the out. But yeah, tonight, Handley is handling them. Only one of four. And that's kind of a microcosm. One, two is Handley goes hunting for her eighth strikeout and got it. And a 3-2 pitch is popped up to shallow left. Ruberti gets it. And that'll do it. Not many teams made it out of the Big Ten to make it to postseason. And Spangler. High chopper. And that one goes just foul. But after what happened the other day, that was the perfect way for Stoddard to play it. Boy, and that's a base hit. Nice piece of hitting there by quarter cracks. And there was just nothing. The deals at three and two. And there it is again. Wow. First pitch hitting. Tough play but nicely made by Koffel. Big time throw across the diamond. Just filmed it, or we just taped it today. Mm -hmm. Sweeps across the country. Maybe those players that some of us would pay to go watch to see. Riley Smith to play. Not surrendered an extra base hit. And got Koffel. First. Here tonight. Renee Abernathy as Smith goes and gets herself into scoring position with a head first slide. That's a liner through the right side. They're going to wave Smith home. Now they hold her. Wow. Christine Himes was absolutely waving her home so hard I thought her arm was going to fall off. <laughs> And in, she hit the brakes. Well, with runners in scoring position this year, Abernathy is hitting 419. Has 26 RBI on the year with runners in scoring position and comes through again with a key hit for Kentucky. Abern Smith over there at second base has to make sure that that ball is through before she advances. Himes holds her up. There's a liner to second. And that's a second out of the inning. And looking to shut it down. Tenth strikeout of the night. 
and she gets out of a huge jam. Always oh, got to play it that could have popped back into fair territory. And Spangler with a one-two. Koffel takes care of her, and there's one gone. That. Boy, and that is shot to left for a base hit. And it gets past Johnson. Ruberti into second. In trouble. <laughs> you saying he doesn't have a vertical? Did not. <laughs> and got her on the change. Strikeout number three for Tatum Spangler, and it's a big one. Hurt her defensively. And so with two outs, here's Hackenbrack. Boy, and she lifts one to center. It's going to take Abernathy back to the track, but she hauls it in. Nothing going. And she gets Babs looking. Strikeout number 11. Under the hands of Babs. Strikeout number 11. Spangler off the hands. That ball stays fair. And they get her. Big hitters at the top. Rounder to third. And behind the outstanding pitching of Lexi Handley and two homers, Ohio State comes into John Crop Stadium and gets a big one. As they knock off the cats, three to nothing. Yeah, this is definitely. There's only one place to find the most recognized brand in carpet, Stainmaster, and that's at Lowe's. Right now, get free basic installation with the purchase of Stainmaster carpet and pad, $4.99 or more. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. Install available in-store only. Requires non-refundable site assessment fee. Fee is credited to final project price if bought through Lowe's. More charges may apply. Not available in all areas. See Lowe's.com for details, exclusions, and licensure. Valid 219 through 413, U.S. only. Hello and welcome to Gamers Getting Older, where a group of older gamers get together, talk about the good old days of gaming, and how times have changed for the better or worse. I'm Brendan. I'm Steven. I'm Nick, and we are Gamers, gamers Getting, getting older. older. Wow, it was perfect, guys. Perfect. Yeah, that was good, but not great. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Gamers Getting Older. Uh, today we're talking about the Nintendo 64 an exciting system that was released at the dawn of us being children and being able to rent video games with Christmas money. So it's going to be a fun, nostalgic throwback. 
Uh, how do you guys feel about the Nintendo 64? You guys have some fond memories? I love the Nintendo 64, especially its goofy controller. Definitely a lot of fun memories from... What a beautiful controller. It was. From Zelda all the way to Donkey Kong to Banjo-Kazooie, like Mario, just you go anywhere. Starcraft. <laughs> Don't forget the all-time favorite, Goldeneye. Goldeneye! Goldeneye was a golden game. Absolutely. You know, the, the funny thing about the controller, an interesting factoid about that is it, it not complete solely, but a lot of the design around the controller on the analog stick was due to uh, Morimoto. I believe it's Morimoto, uh, the Mario guy. Correct, guys? You got me there. I don't, I sure. don't know. <laughs> Wait, I, hold on. I'm thinking Morimoto might be Masaharu Morimoto, the Iron Chef. That's what I was about to say was Iron Chef, but... Yeah. Uh, can we get a confirmation on uh, Mario creator's name? My, uh, Miyamoto had, was involved in the design of the analog stick for the Nintendo 64 because he knew that Super Mario 64 was moving in the 3D direction and he wanted the controls to be a very dialed-in, unique, specific control scheme. That's why it's hard to learn, hard to master, but once you master it, you can move so fluidly in that game so a lot of the design around the analog stick itself was was from uh, Miyamoto's team working on N64's Super Mario 64 now that's not the entire uh, you know design scheme for the controller it was mainly designed so that you could have maybe say like the NES or SNES 2D style games you could hold the d-pad and the buttons and that would be like a kind of like a, a, a Super Nintendo controller uh, and of course the other way would be holding it with the uh, middle um, and right side of the controller. But they also, it, the design philosophy in mind was that most games don't even use every button on the controller. So they designed it so that you could use some in some positions and the other ones that you couldn't reach, you wouldn't really need for the game you were playing because it wouldn't be designed in that way. Yeah, I kind of like, now that you mentioned that, that, that makes sense because I always wondered how when I was playing a game and I was holding, you know, the middle joystick, the Joy-Con, you know, using the joystick and the Z button on the bottom, I never really needed to use the left one that much because I was always like trying to figure out how I got my thumb to like shift all the way over there. I was like, oh, yeah, that that makes sense. You didn't really need to use it. I mean, you could if you wanted to, but checking yours, Stephen. Yeah. yeah, I I couldn't remember. I didn't want to say this and sound stupid. I couldn't remember if it had left and right bumpers. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking too. Like, I don't remember ever remember playing a game where I had my hand on like on the joystick and needed to hit the left bumper. Cause even like super Mario 64, like you're saying the camera controls and everything was all on the, that's why you had the trigger on the bottom. Exactly. Yeah. Everything was on like yeah. the Z trigger. Yeah. The Z button, the, the most elegantly placed button of all buttons. Yeah, that was great. Right on the knuckle. Target, everything. I loved it. The controller is amazing. That's what I love about the Oculus Quest 2 controllers is because you have the trigger, but you also kind of get that Z button feel. Yeah. Because it has the it has the grip trigger. Yeah. It just it's just nice. Yeah, I actually really love the 64. It was something that I got recently. What well, was last year for, for my birthday? Um, a friend of mine bought me one. And I was really excited to have like a physical 64 again. I've played a lot of stuff on emulators and, and everything as I've gotten older, but it was really cool to have an actual system again with some games that you can hook up and play on a TV. He bought it used from a game store. And when I got it, it really felt like the old days because the joystick 
would stick to one side and wouldn't reset itself because it was so just gunky and nasty. So I actually took it apart and cleaned it. The inside of those controllers actually are not made up very much. It's a very small chip, super easy to like open up and clean and take apart that joystick thing. Um, I think the hardest part about that is just the spring in it. So it's a little difficult to reset. Once you clean it, it takes maybe 15, 20 minutes to clean. That thing works like good as new. It was amazing. I started playing some Mario Kart with it and it was it was fantastic to use again. Yeah, they actually released, uh, there's guides online on how to take the ticket apart to clean it because it's such an issue with them getting stuck like that. Another funny thing about the joystick is, did you guys ever hear about the issues that came about from people causing damage to their hands playing Mario Party? Yes. Um, Spinning yeah. the joystick? Yeah, on the, on the inside of your uh, palm. Yes, every time. <laughs> I actually... I used to have a scar for the longest time there. It's starting to slowly go away, but I did have like a little mark from constantly like <laughs> the muscle memory of Mario party was the ruiner of friendships. I mean, I think it was worse than some other games. That game could be so hostile among friends. Mar Mar Mario party <laughs> was definitely the monopoly of video games. <laughs> it was so fun. I remember when the first one came out, it was a really exciting rental from Family Video, but I was grounded at the time, and I was a kid, and I didn't know what to do. I was mad. I wanted to play Mario Party with my brother. He was playing it. It looked like he was having a great time, so I was very angry that I couldn't participate in this great time, so I defaulted to, I laid on the floor and did half-ass sit-ups angrily just to show that my mom I was angry and just like watched him from a distance play Mario Party. I'm a pathetic <laughs> child. <laughs> I'm going to show you. I'm going to get in shape and watch and play video games. <laughs> if only I had that mindset today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, instead I just get mad. I'm like, I'm going to go eat a box of cookies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's basically <laughs> fuck this, I'm out. Yeah, I love going back and looking at the graphics of those games now compared to when we were kids. And it's just like, I remember them being better. <laughs> Like you look at Goldeneye, it's just like for that, like this example, you know, I remember this really fluid game seeing like these fantastic, you know, characters and the amazing level. And then you go back and it's the, the super blocky, like <laughs> faces with no actual structure, like features. And it's just like, <laughs> there's no eyes. It's just yeah. like a line and it, <laughs> just, yeah. everything's blocky. <laughs> Well, and, and one of the funny things about that game too is is most like pretty much all of the all of the um, characters have like this weird kind of like face texture spread over their face, you know, to look like Pierce Brosnan and other people. Yeah. But a lot of the people that show up, like the NPCs, are like the devs that worked on the game that they just peeled their faces onto. Uh, they, they they peeled their faces onto the NPCs, so you're you're just murdering like all the people that made the game <laughs> as you go through. That's amazing. But what a what a great game. I mean, a, a lot of people would say that Perfect Dark is better. It's hard to argue that, but it is easy to argue that Perfect Dark would not exist without Goldeneye. Yes. I will say I'm biased. We played pretty much nothing but Goldeneye, so it's always going to be better for better to me over Perfect Dark, but um I mean, how many times did you know, you have a party of playing multiplayer for Perfect Dart. How many times do you for Goldeneye? I mean, I can count probably on one hand Perfect Dart, but, you know, looking at Goldeneye, I mean, it was almost every single weekend. Yeah, I think that's probably the same for me, too. Perfect Dark, we played 
probably a lot when it first came out, but then ultimately we kind of reverted back to playing Goldeneye. Yeah. And I think it was just some of the game modes and things like that that always drew us back to Goldeneye. Golden Guns was always, a, you know, just a fun mode to play. Everybody was one-shot kill. Um, the things you could do with the proximity mines. Um, I loved proximity <laughs> mines and remote mines. I, those were so damn funny. They were the best, especially... Well, you talk about like the game rendering and being blocky, like seeing how many you could stack before they would just disappear because the game just couldn't render anymore. You'd have like 10 of them stacked out of a wall. Those were those were definitely the best thing, though, in multiplayer because you could just rig an entire room yeah. full of them and somebody walks in and they're just they're done for. Yeah, I mean, Perfect Dark had a lot of really interesting guns, though. I mean, the rail gun comes to mind immediately that you can shoot through the walls and just kill anybody from anywhere. And the guns had different. The guns had different modes. Like there was one that you could stick to a wall, and it would become a turret, and it would just stay on the wall. But you, I think you could also continue to using the piece that you you had left in your hand as like a pistol or something. It had a lot of really cool stuff. But I always played Goldeneye as well, just because it's it's what we knew. And I was also a big Bond fan. I grew up watching all of the classic Bond films with my dad. So I mean, in kindergarten, I was born with no enamel on my teeth. So I had to have every tooth in my mouth pulled, except for a couple of the big ones on the sides and the back. Uh, and those they had capped with stainless steel. So my dad called me Jaws, like all of my childhood anyway. Uh, and if you don't know who Jaws is, he's from, I believe, the James Bond film Moonraker, where he's played by a very large man. Um, his teeth are all jagged steel, and he could basically bite through anything like a shark. Speaking of Goldeneye, did you guys see that there's a possible of it being remastered and re-released on Xbox with multiplayer? I did, and I, I think it would be awesome. I'm stoked. Yeah, absolutely. There's already mods that you can download offline uh, when you're emulating the game that lets you play it with a normal controller so that you don't have to have the weird, you can aim properly and not have to use the C, C buttons. Yeah. You know what I mean? To aim up and down and side to side. <laughs> so have you gone back with a 64 and actually played GoldenEye anytime recently? Yes. Yes, I have. Every time I do, I am terrible. Oh, like awful. I start walking and my guy just immediately goes like, you know, aims up towards the sky or I'm aiming down at my feet. I'm like, how did I do this when I was a kid? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just like doing it now. I mean, I can play on the computer I can play Xbox. I can do everything. I can learn it within five seconds. But trying to relearn the 64 controls for GoldenEye usually takes me a little bit longer to like get that quick, you know, because you used to be able to just walk around a corner really quick whip to the left, kill somebody, and then bam, you're right back going the way you were. I mean, now it's like, you die to like an NPC and, you know, the facility, you know, doing the actual freaking quest in there. The story missions? Yeah. Yeah. I, I played the first level recently and uh, on the, the, the damn level, and I got the sniper rifle, that fire extinguisher with a scope on it. Uh -huh. If you remember that, I tried to use it. I don't know what the heck it was going on, but I, there was, I don't know how I ever <laughs> sniped in that game it's ridiculous yes like it's shaky it's hard to move and then like the the ai is like oh he's aiming at me i'm just gonna move a little bit yeah <laughs> just look uh, left no 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 <laughs> so many good games though and like we recently talked about with the dreamcast having the the back option and the 64 controllers like when they came out with the rumble pad or the rumble pack yeah something that added more to the game and games that utilize that um, which I thought was really cool. 
Well, just like, I mean, you've got the expansion pack that you could have popped in the front of it for, I and mean, you had to have it for, what was it, uh, Donkey Kong? Donkey Kong 64 came with it. Yeah, you like you had to have that expansion pack. Otherwise, you couldn't. Because I try. I remember one time I went to go, wanted to play Donkey Kong 64, and it wouldn't work because I didn't have the expansion pack, and I had to really quick pop it out, pop the expansion in, and then play. Do you know what the expansion pack was and what it was for when that came out? Wasn't it just memory? It was. It, it was RAM, it was additional <laughs> yeah. RAM for the N64. Jeez. So it, it increased the N64 from 4 megabytes to 8 megabytes. <laughs> yeah. Well, didn't DK64 like crash the system without it? So like they were like, what are we going to do about this? And they're like, get <laughs> ship it with it. <laughs> it's just absolutely crazy to think that it was 4. Yeah. Or sorry, 4, four megabytes. 4 megabytes. And the expansion was an additional four megabytes Just of RAM. Think about that though. Like the games we used to play, like that's it. Like four megabytes, whatever was enough. Now you can't even, you wouldn't even be able to play a single game today like that. Right. My PC now is running 64 gigabytes of RAM. <laughs> <laughs> but come on, that expansion pack looked dope. It was like black and it had that red grid lining yeah, on top with of it. Little oh, holes it was all cool. across the top. Yeah. It, it was like future shit. Like, if you didn't have it, you were a punk. <laughs> Did you guys name your 64 controllers, by the way? At, at our house, we, we played a lot of GoldenEye, a lot of Smash Brothers, a lot of Perfect Dark, stuff like that. We had our controllers. We had the red controller of death, the blue controller of pain. I definitely did not. I, I never did. We always, everybody always had that one though at your house that company used. Like, you, you know, you had that one friend that you're like, yeah, you use this one. I don't... <laughs> At least we did. It's the one as kids we didn't know. Yeah, we didn't yeah. know how to clean. Yeah, so it'd stick and <laughs> it's, it's it's that the, the A handicap. button wouldn't always come yeah. back up. Yeah, <laughs> if this controller is broken. Let me use the other one. No, no, that's why you have that one. <laughs> yeah, I always used the red one. My brother always used the blue one. I just thinking about it when Pokemon first came out, I got Pokemon Red and he got Pokemon Blue. Coincidence? I think not. Or were we just born mortal enemies? So says the team over at Rooster Teeth. Did you guys get one of the um, the fancy, like, see-through 64s uh, that they had? Don't even start talking about nu nuclear purple, that that <laughs> atomic purple. Oh, I, oh atomic purple. Anything Nintendo atomic purple, I just gush over. Yeah, I, had oh, the, I love it. I had the orange one. <laughs> the see-through oh. orange. I loved it. I'll, dude, when you, I love when you started I love talking about like your favorite controller, the blue and the, you know mm -hmm. the, the red, I was like, that was my controller. It was always either the orange or because we had a green one, and so I was either the green or orange. Like whenever we played, Atom Nintendo Atomic Purple, give me, give, give them, give me all of it. I want all of it. Like my my first Game Boy Color was Atomic Purple, and ever since then, anything I can get that's Atomic Purple, oh, give it to me. I love it. I have to say, there's there's one game that comes to mind, um, only because of the the new expansion that's out for Monster Hunter that brings me back to the 64 days, Turok, Dinosaur World. Do you guys remember playing that? Yep. I think it was Dinosaur Hunter. Uh, yeah, I Dinosaur think... Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. No, Dinosaur World is the, is the new sequel trilogy Disney is making. <laughs> <laughs> but I I remember playing so much Turok, and you could get so many different weapons and like arrows and all sorts of things to hunt dinosaurs. Uh, I it was, love Turok. It was yeah. such an amazing game. 
Do, do you remember the multiplayer? You could play as a, a velociraptor. Yes. And, and you could headshot people. And it, there was a one shot kill. So you would constantly like hide on top of a rock to try to like jump and try to slash somebody's dome piece with your claws. But it would, it would ultimately fail. They turn around and kill you with their, you know, gun with, with their hands. Yeah. Such what about, one. what about the Tony Hawk games? Tony Hawk's pro skater. I liked that they were on 64 because all the specials had different sounds from the PlayStation. So it felt like a brand new game for some reason. Yeah. I remember playing like the soundtrack for Tony Hawk pro skater was just amazing playing that. Like I can still, if I hear a song on the radio, (laughs) it'll just like hit. And I'm like, Oh man, that takes me back. Like I just imagine just grinding out in like Chicago or like the big warehouses and stuff. And just going all over the place on that. Nope. Guess not. Tony Hawk. I actually don't remember playing Tony Hawk on the 64. I remember playing it on the PlayStation, but I don't remember playing it on the 64. I played it on the 64. Yeah, I, I remember playing it on the 64 just, just because it had the different sounds, and I liked it a lot. Yeah, you had Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 all on 64. Yeah, 64 rocked, man. You know, uh, a, a wonderful game on the Nintendo 64 that we played a lot was Harvest Moon 64. I, I think we've talked about Harvest Moon before. Um, it was a really, really fun game. And uh, we would, me and my brother used to rent it and we would take turns playing to see how far you could get, but you could only have one save, I think. So you would do it and we would play like as far as we, no, you could have three saves, but we did a challenge to see who could get farther in one hour of playing the game. So like the most money, get people to like you get your farm going like in one hour how far can you get me my brother and his friend steve both both people who are older than me i'm the youngster at the time and we we all just took turns for three hours starting this game over every hour to see who could get farther just farming and stuff it wasn't even like an action game we were farming and giving gifts to women Another one that I remember, I think it shipped with the Rumble Pack. I think it's when the Rumble Pack became big was Star Fox 64. And I remember it having... roll! (laughs) Well, I I remember it having secrets and stuff and levels, like stuff that you had to to do in order to get like different endings and to like accomplish different things and levels and unlock secret levels and stuff, which I always thought was really cool back then for a game to do that, to have kind of its own Easter eggs to to be able to unlock more and do more. I remember playing so much Star 64 or Star Fox 64 when that came out. Yeah. Um, it was probably it was probably one of my favorite games on on N64. A game I played a lot was and it was um you know one of the arcade games that came over as well was Gauntlet. Did you guys ever play that? Oh baby, don't loved, even get me started. Loved some Gauntlet. <laughs> we played the heck out of Gauntlet. I mean, I mean the 64 was perfect for four player games. Yeah. It was built for four people to play at the same time and gauntlet just just ex- it was so good at, at at making four people just demolish creatures on screen there were so many things happening there was always like chicken to pick up and axes to throw and there like the announcer was really cool like the wizard has gained a life <laughs> <laughs> oh man i remember that that was <laughs> or what about everybody's favorites Pokemon Snap. Yes. I loved me some Pokemon Snap. Pokemon Snap on the 64 is and will always be my favorite Pokemon Snap game. The most basic, basic game that I remember playing for hours and hours and hours on end. 
And like, I loved how you had to like take pictures of certain Pokemon or do certain things in order to see like the evolution of a different Pokemon in that level. Mm-hmm. And I thought yeah, that was just, it, it was so crazy. Yeah, and you had like this much time to get it done, right? Yeah. You had to do things like at the right time and the proper order so that at the end of the level, the Charmeleon will fall in the lava and it'll break out as a Charizard. And you'll get to take a few pictures. Or like taking pictures of the Dig Dug in a certain way to get it, the Dug Trio to, to pop up out of the ground. Yeah. yeah. There were so many like little secret things you had to do to get the right pictures and like force evolutions and stuff. It was That was a really good game. I have the new one. I enjoy the new one. It's fun. I haven't played the new one. I'm being honest. Like what the I've really only ever played the one for 64. So it's kind of the only reason. Like I'm like yeah, this one's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, that's the only only other one. Is it? Like, I remember when it came out. I went to Best Buy to buy it in person because that's the kind of person I am, I guess. And I couldn't find I couldn't find it anywhere. So I had to go to a Best Buy guy, and I was like, hey. Well, Where's Pokemon Snap? He, she showed me. It was on an end cap. I found it and I bought it. <laughs> Out of all the N64 games that you played, what do you think was probably kind of like the weirdest or like goofiest N64 game that you can recall playing? Conker's Bad Fur Day. Mystical Ninja. <laughs> Not Mystical Ninja. Absolutely. freaking lutely I think mine would be Clay Fighter. Clay Fighter was great. Was it Clay Fighter 33 and a third? Was that was or was that the 63 SNES and a one? third? 63 and a third. Yeah. Yeah, Clay Fighter was super fun. I think Boogerman was a guest. Was it Boogerman in that? A guest star fighter? I can't remember. But whatever. That game was super fun. I love I love that just claymation bashing. Yes. <laughs> you know what the 64 was really good at was uh racing games. I mean, how many racing games did you play on the 64 compared to how many racing games you play on anything now? Yeah, not none. <laughs> but you had the Star Wars Pod Racers. Star Wars Pod Racers. You have Mario Kart. F-Zero. Yeah, uh, F-Zero. Yeah, which, by the way, F-Zero just came out on the Nintendo Switch Online 64 part of the service or whatever. So you can play. We can we could play it together if we wanted to sometime. Because you can play all those games multiplayer online. San Francisco Rush 2049. Hello? <laughs> Come on. Cruising? I was about to say cruise, cruising. cruising? Well, there's the, the wave. Cruising USA. Cruising USA. And I think Cruising World as well. The Wave Race 64. You run around on Wave Runners. Wave Race. Yeah, I mean, all the jet ski games. Diddy Kong Racing. So many good ones. So many good ones. Dot com. Did you guys ever play Conker's Bad Friday, though? Oh, absolutely. It's still to this day one of my favorite 64 games. Easily top two for me. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I love it. I love it. It's, It's a super fun game. I think, did Rare make that? I think Rare made that. Yes. Rare, yeah, they did. Rare had a really good track record for making games. Mm-hmm. And then they made y- ukulele. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I wanted to get... I played Conker's Bad Fur Day at a friend's house, started to, and I wanted to play it myself at my house. And my mom wouldn't buy it for me because it had the M rating on it. So I had to wait for my dad to get home. So that way he would at least take me to rent it, if not buy it. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's that was the great thing about Conquerors was my dad was like, oh, this is a game that I would enjoy, and I can be like that cool dad that lets them play it. You know, so it was win-win for us kids. I think another one of the four-player games that I absolutely fell in love with, mainly because it was like a port over from an arcade, was NFL Blitz. Oh, yes. Because Blitz, I loved yes. playing Blitz at the arcades. And then when it came out, and I remember um, early on, we would just randomly hit the buttons to try and get like big head mode and like unlimited turbo and all those sorts of things. Um, and then you had the old you had websites. all the symbols. Yeah. 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 And then when um, I'm trying to think of what one of the main websites we would go to, I know there was one that we all use. GCC.com. Yes. GCC.com. <laughs> GCC.com was my <laughs> man for sure. I remember we would all go there when we're like, oh, we want to play with these cheats and we want big head motor we want this we want this and everybody would plug in something different so that you would have like four or five things or four things all at once uh, to, to play as while you're playing nfl blitz yeah we used to have to work to put in the cheat codes now you just paid 2.99 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was definitely a a good one i wish that they would come out with another nfl game like that it was like one of its kind. One of, it was like a, the only one I feel like they ever made. They may have made another Blitz, but I remember playing very much that, and I don't feel like it's ever came back. I remember being at a friend's house playing it, and his dad was really big into uh, football, and we started playing it, and he's just watching, and he's like, what is this? This is not football. Turn this off. And he like pulled it out mid game, ripped it out of the 64 and would not let us play it. And so when he went to sleep, we grabbed it and started playing it ourselves. <laughs> it's like, screw you. This was amazing. We want to play this. What is your guys's top 64 game? Or if you can't say top number one, maybe your top three. I need a top. I would need to do top three. Okay. Top, top three games and go. I'm going to split genres. I'm going to go super smash brothers because what a game I used to, I, that, I used to play that game so much. I remember I, I unlocked captain Falcon on accident because I was playing it. I would wake up early and play it before school. And I was trying to beat the, 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 the arcade mode before I had to leave for school. So I was just trying to get as fast as I could to beat it before I had to go to school. And then eventually I, I unlocked Captain Falcon. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. That's how I'm so fast. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, so Smash Brothers, number one, oh, I'm going to say um, Super Mario 64. No, I'm going to say Ocarina of Time slash Majora's Mask. Those have to, those are one thing. Yeah. And then uh, the third one, I'm going to have to go. It's no, I need a top five. I need it's, it's, it's Mario Kart. It's San Francisco rest 2049. It's, it's Mario, uh, Super Mario 64. Uh, <laughs> it's all, it's those two Zelda games. Uh, and for number five, Smash Brothers. And then num uh, number six, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got right, stop. Nick's, but Nick's one through one hundred games that he loves. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, what's your top five? Since Nick did five, my top fives would have to be Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, as as the pair of those together. Super Mario sixty four because I just absolutely loved the open world ish kind of concept of Super Mario sixty four, um, and then probably duke nukem 64 
I really loved the Duke Nukem game, and Duke Nukem yeah. 64 was definitely a fun one to play. And then I would have to say probably NFL Blitz. I just really enjoyed I've always enjoyed the football games, and that one was a lot of fun. As for, for number five, that's that's a tough one because there's, there's still so many good games out there. Gold, GoldenEye for number six for me. I'd have to put GoldenEye at, at number five as, as the top five games. I'm sure there's some that you're going to mention or somebody will mention later. And I'd be like, oh, that was a really good game too. But those are the ones that I can remember playing so much of all the time. I actually have a copy of GoldenEye behind me um, on my Se- shelf. Seven is Harvest Moon 64. Uh, eight <laughs> is Paper Mario. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to kind of go the same as you guys for the Zelda games. Both of them, number one for me. Um, I definitely have to say probably number two, which a very close second is what the which one did I say earlier? Damn it. Now I'm trying to think. Conquer's Bad Fur Day. I don't know why I just drew a blank. So first, both Zelda's, second, Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Um, I'd have to go third, honestly. Banjo kazooie. I loved that game. Absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah, nine is Banjo kazooie for sure. <laughs> Uh, then GoldenEye, and what is that, four? Mario Kart 64 would be my top five. How much Mario Kart? Okay, question about Mario Kart. You Obviously, we all played it multiplayer with people. Did you play it more racing, or did you play the battle levels more? See, as I, I, I used to love the battle, like when I was younger, I would say. Probably more of the battle as a younger player. Um, more so now, if I play it, it's the racing because we do the drunk driving <laughs> Mario Kart where you have to finish your beer by the end of the lap and you have to pull off to the side of the road to drink. And <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That, that would be fun to do. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I played battle way more as a kid. I specifically remember that that level that was like four, uh, like two or three level blocks. They were all different colors and they had the bridge that connected them up top. And on, on this, on like the second level and third level, there was a bridge that connected them and it was a big square with squares and it would just do that. I, it was, it was just this awesome level and you just drove around and shot turtle shells at each other. It was, it was great. One thing that I think that is really interesting and a good, a good thing to kind of close this off with is did you guys know that there was a planned expansion for uh, the Nintendo 64, a full on hardware expansion called the nintendo 64 dd drive really i did not yeah i believe it was either majora's mask or wind waker i might have been wind waker i can't remember uh might have been majora's mask it was originally being designed for this n64 dd drive which it's which was this uh, I mean, the way it looked was a, it was like a larger, it looked like a flat Nintendo 64 because you set your 64 on top of it and it, it, and it had a big drive. And these, these were like thick, like DD discs. Like they were like, it looked like they were like an inch thick uh, and a couple inches wide. And they looked like giant floppy disks and you just shove them in the front, like big cartridges again. And it was, it was an expansion on the, on, on the entire system. So it could run games you know, better with, with more powerful uh, hardware. Um, and they, they, they were working on it in Japan. It might've released in Japan a little bit, but it, it didn't really go anywhere. Um, and because they started working on the dolphin, AKA the GameCube. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very. It's really interesting. If you're ever curious about it, uh, there's a guy on YouTube that I watch a lot. His name is metal Jesus rocks. 
Um, he's a retro game collector and he's like, he's, I love his, I love him. He's, he's great. He's one of the best retro collectors on YouTube, but he actually has a, he found a, 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 a one of the pieces of hardware. It's a developer in uh, 64 DD drive. Um, it's, 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 it's a U.S. version, um, but he only has, but they didn't make any uh, games or anything for the U.S. version. So he has like some N64 DD games that he has from Japan, but the DD drive itself is region locked. So he can't play any of them. All he has is like the dev disc that it came with that they were using to like code games and like test stuff. I'm looking at the picture of this. It literally looks like a mini like VHS shaped like a 64 on the bottom that's interesting yeah yeah if you look at the bottom of your 64 it should have the expansion slot yeah there because they had this in mind yeah i was just looking at it too and it says that it didn't sell enough units to be profitable um mainly due to delays there was two years delay two years of delays in the making but i was just looking at the what it looked like as well and you're right they, this is something that they were thinking about because the bottom of the n64 as a removable plastic piece and inside of it is a spot of where you would plug in the dd drive so it would sit and plug in to the bottom of the 64. that's crazy i had no idea i've never i don't ever as a kid remember looking at the bottom of my 64 and thinking hmm what the hell is that for <laughs> I, i'm i think i opened that up just to blow in it because it maybe the 64 wasn't working so you just blow in everything to try to get it to work but there, there's so many more <laughs> games that we could talk about I, I think we'll probably have have to revisit this topic because i mean the n64 was was prolific for our generation because we were just at that age where we were like old enough and smart enough to to know what we liked and what we wanted and we didn't have jobs we were all, weren't old enough to make money but what we did have were report cards and what did family video do for a's a free rental so you would, I would take my report card down and I'd get to rent my one, maybe two video games. I wasn't that great in school. Uh, but I, I specifically remember getting the Star Wars Pod Racer game rented because of an A I got in school. So, boom. <laughs> now, this is Pod Racing. <laughs> Definitely a great system. I actually, like I said, I still have one now and I, I do love hooking it up and playing it. It's, I actually need to get another controller because I've only got one controller right now, but. It's mine's hooked up to my retro station right now. I, I have a little station that has an old tube TV, uh, and I have my 64 hooked up. I've got my PS2 hooked up, and I've got my original Xbox hooked up. I actually just bought a handful of of old. I almost said new Xbox games, uh, original Xbox games. Uh, I, I don't remember what what all I bought, but I was pretty excited about it about it at the time. I think I, I got like Dead or Alive. I got Bloodwake. It's called Bloodwake, which is twisted metal but with boats. So that's pretty exciting. I got Munch's Odyssey. It's pretty pretty fun. Just a couple that I've been wanting that I saw over down at uh, Killian's. Yeah, I was going to say, my 64 is hooked up right here behind me, and it's got Ocarina of Time in it because <laughs> I was playing it not too long ago. Do you guys ever use the Nintendo 64 online Switch application? I do, actually. I recently started Ocarina of Time, and I am through the first two dungeons as Young Link. Nice. Um, I play it. I play it on occasion, like when the wife wants to to hang out, but I don't really want to watch TV. I'll take the Switch and I'll play kind of some N64 games or, or other games on the Switch. But yeah, I actually really, I was really excited when they came out with that. I know a lot of people, there's a lot of backlash because of the price difference, but really it wasn't that expensive to 
to pay for the difference and get the N64 stuff. And they run pretty well. I know there's a few people that said that they felt like there was a delay, but I didn't really feel like I had that issue because I was playing for a while on the the external controller. I had no issues playing Zelda. I didn't feel like there was some trigger delay or things that people were experiencing. It was, it was great. It was definitely difficult to get used to. You're kind of talking about Goldeneye and not doing well with the controls. I was playing Ocarina of Time and I'm in the castle and I've got my slingshot and I'm trying to do the thing where you shoot the rupees, the little mini the little mini game. And I'm like jerking yeah. way left, uh-huh. and way right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I remember you, doing you used to be assassins with as a that, kid. Bro. And, and now it's it's just off. The the only way I can aim properly in that game nowadays is if I play the Nintendo DS version, which has motion controls. So I just kind of move my hands a little bit, and I'm like, there we go. <laughs> I, I haven't uh, got the online version of it yet. So for the, any of the 64 stuff, I, I want to. I need to. I just you haven't subscribed to Nintendo Switch online. Haven't. I have the online. I just haven't upgraded it oh. to get the sixty-four. I have not upped yet. I, I still have the online. I just haven't upgraded. I have a sixty-four behind me with all the yeah, games that I, I want to play right I now. I love anyway. laying in bed playing Paper Mario. Leave me alone. So nice. <laughs> they they recently added Earthbound to the SNES application as well. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I, I think it's safe to say that we are all big fans of the Nintendo 64. I think that this, like I said before, this is probably going to be a topic we revisit because I don't think that 30 minutes, 40 minutes is enough to really encapsulate everything that, that we have to say about all of the uh, nostalgic memories uh, around this console. Something that we've missed over the last few episodes is a good, not great. Can you think of any N64 game that you played that was good? but not great into comparison as of the games of like the N64 genre as a whole. I would say the good, not great for a game would probably be Starcraft 64. What do you guys think? I think that's the, you're talking about the one, uh, the Starcraft port from PC to 64. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good choice. And why would you say that? Cause I never played it on PC. I didn't have any of the PC. Just curious. Cause I, I was never, I didn't have a PC with those games early on. Was it smoother on PC? I assume obviously PCs would have, have more. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely felt smoother when I played it on PC just because uh, you were able to use the hotkeys and everything for the keyboard. The scrolling on the map was a lot easier than just using the joystick. And cause I've never been one even back then I never was one that liked liked you know scrolling the mouse because on the Starcraft 64 you still with the Joy-Con were moving the mouse across the screen and had to click on stuff and drag and you know select and so actually playing it on the computer versus uh, 64 I would say it definitely was good on the 64 I had a lot of fun but it it wasn't great I can see that yeah that would make sense I definitely agree there I mean any I, as a kid uh you know, being introduced to StarCraft, not knowing about the, the PC market and uh, seeing this game that, that we had never seen before and learning that there was a way to play it that didn't involve holding a boomerang, uh, where you could actually select things properly. And uh, there was a lot of hotkeys. You could save formations. You know, it was like control one, control two or whatever. So you could save like packs of dudes to reselect later. I mean, it it really broadened the horizon. So it was, it was good in, in the sense that like, yeah, it introduced us to Starcraft, uh, but the controls, when you jump over to PC, I mean, the PC version, that's the great one. Yeah. I don't know that I ever played it on 64, but I could definitely see what you're talking about as far as the joystick moving a, a mouse 
around would make things very difficult versus just actually having a mouse in your hand and being able to do that and then still operate everything else with the other hand on the keyboard. I'm trying to think I've played a game recently that was that was like that. Um, well, I, I guess I haven't actually played, but one that I think of that I, that I played a little bit with controller when they added the controller support was Diablo 2, um, the remastered. And to me, that's still been weird. I know that, um, Brendan, you played on the Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess to me, that would be kind of what I would think in my head. I, I played it so much on PC that I was so used to the mouse control with the keyboard that playing it on a controller was just different to me. You know, not having the ability to um, hit control or whatever to see all the items on the ground and and that sort of thing. It was just different um, trying to play with the controller or would be the same idea as kind of playing it on the Switch. Um, I'm, to me... Yeah. Playing with mouse and keyboard on a computer is what made Diablo 2 great. Yeah, controls matter, you know. Controls definitely can sh- controls can change the entire way you look at a game. I mean, look at Resident Evil 1 compared to the Resident Evil 2 remake. I mean, the it's it's the same formula, the same kind of item management, but it's just it's broken away from the static cameras and the tank controls and you're just free to just sprint around like a madman yeah just crazy to think how how games have changed in in that aspect and how some games even changed within the same system like having those tank controls and then the new game comes out it's still using the same system but the the controls are better you know they found ways to to code it better and still use the same you know controller uh, and you get a better feel for the game itself just because they're able to, to code those movements better versus just up, down, left, right. Now you have, you know, up, left and down, right. And you can move at angles and not just, yeah, that tank style forward, back, left, right style of movement. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love playing games from like the NES up because like if you're, if you're playing a little, your little sprite and you turn, you do a full turn on like the joystick or whatever. And it just goes, you know, north, south, east, west. But then you play like a, a game later and it hits all eight points on the compass. And you're like, okay, I see. We're a little farther along the road yeah. for this game. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to do it for the Nintendo 64 episode. Thanks for hanging out with us gamers getting older. Uh, we're off to go buy a bunch of black clothing and gloves to go break into a local retro gaming store. Hopefully they have a lot of really good games for us to steal. So unless we're in prison, we'll see you next week. And don't forget to follow us on social media. That's Gamers Getting Old on Twitter and Gamers Getting Older on Instagram. Also check out our merchandise at GamersGettingOlder.com. Triple B Podcast would like to invite you to come break bread with your brothers. If you like what you're hearing on the show, if you think we missed the mark, or if we got it all wrong, reach out to us on social media. We can be reached on Twitter at triple underscore B underscore pod or search Brothers Breaking Bread Podcast. We are the Brothers Breaking Bread on Facebook and our email is brothersbreakingbreadpod at gmail.com. Further descriptions are in the show notes. Like, follow, friend, do all that good stuff. 
And please never forget to break bread with your brothers. How y'all doing? We out here, chilling in the spot. What up? senators could yell as loud as we want that venus can't return a serve we could yell as loud as we want that beyonce can't sing we could yell as much as we want that astronaut may jamison didn't go all that high but you know what <laughs> they got nothing to prove as it says in the bible let the work i've done speak for me well you have spoken you started speaking as a little girl, watching that man right there try to raise a family and study law while your mama supported everybody. You spoke in high school when you started distinguishing yourself. And you know what you said when they told you you couldn't go to Harvard? Watch me. I went to law school. I didn't serve on the law review you did. I didn't clerk. At every level of the federal court, you clerked for a Supreme Court justice, one widely respected on both sides, which really shaped you. You left there and, and, and you went to private practice, and you know what you found? This is what you told me, that you had those tough choices that working moms have to make, the demands of a private law firm, raising your kids, it, it just didn't add up. You went before the Senate three times in a bipartisan manner. God bless America. We don't do that much stuff bipartisan around here. You went to became a public defender because you wanted to understand all aspects of the law. Who does that? We live in a society that's very materialistic sometimes, very, very consumeristic. You went to, do people become public defenders for the money? No. Hey, 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 hey. What's going on out there, y'all? Triple B Podcast, Buzz Breaking Bread back in the house. I had to stop because I didn't have my picture up. And then when I put the picture up, all I saw was my man, Joe Jeff, holding a big-ass can of Country Time Lemonade. I almost started laughing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, hey, I, did, I done it. Hey, that shit got water in it. <laughs> I said, I didn't know what was happening, but I said, I know... I know ain't gonna, ain't gonna be no water added to that shit. <laughs> no, <laughs> it is, not at all. That's, it is ten o'clock at, at night. All. I know this nigga ain't about to make a thing of fucking country time lemonade. 
Right. Shout out to 360 uh, Vodka. Shout out. Shout out. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. We here. We here, man. 10 meters. Zeb the soldier. Half of the brother Doom Joe Jeff. I'm the KC Stork. What is going on, fellas? How we living? Living. Living. Good, day time. All right, so, so let's do uh, some check-ins so we can get it in. How you living, Tim? What's going on, Chief? Man, I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm uh, uh, back in Louisiana now. Uh, I was just up in Kansas City over the weekend, and um, everything was great. I had a great time. Um, saw some folks that I needed to see. Um, and one quick shout out uh, to Miss Kim. Um, very nice lady. Very nice lady. Um, she graced me with uh, her um, honey bun cake. Honey bun cakes. Oh snap! Man, I am a fan. Uh, I have never uh, tasted something so heavenly. We talking about cake, right? Before in my life. You got the cake. It's our cakes. Okay, I was making sure. Kim's cakes. What? Yo. Hold on, man. It's a cake that tastes like a honey bun? That's what we talk about? I'm not getting confused, am I? It's a cake. It's a cake that she has has used uh, honey bun spices and and a glaze on it. It's, it's, It's excellent. It's, it's, it's shit. Oh, man. Yeah, that sound, that sound fire. Man, she made two for me. One one didn't leave Kansas City, <laughs> and the other one was the other one was clinging clinging onto life till it got to yeah. the wall. Man, <laughs> I'm I'm, hey. I'm, still, I'm still tripping off of how heavenly Kim's cakes taste. Oh man! Wow. Hey, I know where you're trying to go with this. I don't. I'm like, damn, fuckery is already starting. We are, we are very early in the podcast. We are, we are at the not the five minute mark. Hey, just so y'all know, I had to heavily, heavily. No, I had to heavily edit the last episode. <laughs> I really had to edit the last episode, guys. Oh, come Bruh. on. Watch him out. Watch him out. I, 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 I saw that. <laughs> Wait a minute. We, we laugh like, at oh, people getting shit. shot on this podcast. Say what? I, I said we laugh at people getting shot on this podcast. So, hey, hey, that's one thing. What I'm we laughed saying. at last time, that's the whole bag, bro. I'm, I'm just yeah. saying, it, it kind of goes that's with the, 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 the conversation we had in the pregame. We had a little bit over. We had a little post game. Post game. Post game. Post game. We're not going to talk about that live. All right. Right, 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 right. Anyway, so, but like I said, man, uh, shout out to Miss Kim. She also gave me two sweet smelling candles. Um, yeah, she makes some good candles, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, so uh, those last uh, nice gifts and so, everything like that. So, but other than that, so are you willing to uh, record and say that uh, Kim got the best taste in cakes? <laughs> right on. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying, shit, she got. That's an affirmative. She got the best taste in cakes in KC, man. There we go. We talking about cakes. We talking about honey bun. Right. Honey bun tasting cake. Y'all niggas. All right. Honey buns. All right, you she got the best taste in. Buns on. Well, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming through. I'm sorry. Chief. I appreciate it. <laughs> Honey yes. buns and cakes. Yes. Mm. Okay. Mm. Anyway, yeah. what's going? What's going on, Zam? How you living, Chief? 
Damn it, Joe. Uh, you know, man, my, my sweet tooth is activating. Mm. Or something. <laughs> something's activating. I ain't really sure. I'm kind of confused. My you know what I mean? My but, diabetes media. But, uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, yeah, everything's cool, man. Got a little bit of um, good news for myself. Okay. Since oh. the last episode, it ain't nothing crazy major, but um, I am now a legal medical marijuana patient for the state of Missouri. Oh. So I got my medical card okay, last so. week, I think. All right. And uh, so, yeah, man, so I can now go to the dispensaries and I can, you know, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Do whatever you want. So, so, yeah, so. you know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, man, that's a, that's a, that's, that's a great thing. Uh, the whole time I lived in Denver, uh, which was before they uh, passed the recreational this was like in uh, 08, mm-hmm. 09, rather, is when Obama was sworn, uh, the year he took office. Yeah, it was the year he took office, right. Yeah, so they still had the medical thing. The whole time I was out there, I never bothered to get. I went I went to the, to, the, uh, to the doctor's office to get my medical card when I was there, when I first got there. But in my head, I was thinking a normal doctor's visit. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't bring a bunch of cash with me. <laughs> Because it was just pay right there, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to get a bill and shit. I don't know where my mind was at, you know. And right. I realized when I went that, oh, shit, I ain't bring no cash with me or, you know, enough cash to pay this to pay this bill. And right. I just never made it back. And um, so, you know, uh, we, we passed the law or the law took effect, I think, last year right. here mm-hmm. for our medical. So, you know, it's been dispensaries popping up um, everywhere. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't really been in at the crib enough in Kansas City, like especially like in the daytime, to be able to peep shit. Uh, but here in Columbia, you know, uh, yeah, we definitely been having dispensaries pop up. They got a superstore like a few minutes away from me. So, so yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, man. I'm happy. I'm happy. I went on and, fi- and finally uh, stopped procrastinating and got that done. Nice. And uh, thank you to all the Missouri voters that you know help to pass that man uh next step is is full full legalization on the state level at least yep so in, in the but, city uh, it's like it's in the city it's like liquor store uh check cash weed dispensary liquor store them, check cash weed dispensary that's a beautiful thing i love it they, they look like strip clubs they got them blacking out windows and shit. i love you i was man. like is that a strip club or a weed spot i can't i can't tell to then you read the name you know what I, Bro, bro, that's what I thought. That's exactly when I when I first saw this uh, superstore that we got here. Yep, mm-hmm. it's called Shangri La. Ah. I, I, I was I rode by what? it at night at nighttime, and like the 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 lighting is like neon lighting. Yep. And it's like a like a pinkish type of color. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I was like, is this a new strip club or something? Yep. What the <laughs> fuck is going on over here? You know what I'm saying? I found out like a couple of days later. That uh, it was a dispensary, so it's not quite a strip club, but mm. yeah, because they hey, I, have I pref- your fun. I prefer dispensaries uh, more than strip clubs, anyways. Me man. too. Me too. That was that was at never least you my get thing. your money's worth at, at dispensary. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, but other than that, you know, uh, everything's been everything's been everything. Everything's copacetic. Awesome. Uh, just uh, enjoying this nice wet, you know, as the weather's getting nicer, been getting outside more, going to the park. Uh, you know, getting in some 
some nice walks with the, with the uh, family and all that. So that's good shit. Just chilling, man. Just chilling. Good stuff, man. Yeah, because yeah, I agree with you. There's a spot. There's a little spot next to the Aldi's I go to, uh, off of uh, Blue Ridge, a little across the street. And I was like, God damn, yeah. why are you gonna open up a strip club right across from the Aldi's? And then uh, it's a weed spot. <laughs> right. That makes sense. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but good Get shit. Your man. Medical card. Get your medical card. Yeah, man, get it. It didn't cost that much. It cost uh I think I might have spent a bill fifty on it. Yeah. You know, all together. Uh I'm eventually uh probably at least. I'm probably gonna eventually get my uh growers permit. Um, uh, but we'll see. I don't, I, I don't have any plans on it in the immediate future, but I eventually would like to get to that point. All right, sir. Brothers breaking bread, weed. Brought to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Indeed. 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 Weed. All right. The triple this... B pack. <laughs> I like it. That, that might be how we fund this motherfucker, really. Hey. <laughs> yeah, for real, real talk. <laughs> 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 like, I don't know what's going on on Triple B, but them niggas is real mellow. Joe and Roger ain't argued in a year. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, good shit. Really they, don't sw- they don't went from they don't went from uh, strictly audio to video. Video. He's got camera. camera people and shit. <laughs> nigga, it's just a, a fog. The whole podcast, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, good shit, Chief. Good shit. Hey, what's up, Joe? What's going on, man? Uh, speaking of spring and bud, uh, I did see some flowers <laughs> budding on the trees today, so. <laughs> That's a good wordplay there. That's a good thing, play. too. <laughs> so spring, spring is officially sprung around here. Yeah. Uh, even though it did snow earlier this week, so. Damn. I don't get it. I'm on spring break and just trying to stay, um, you know, doing some things to stay busy during spring break. So, uh, Friday today was the last day of it. Uh, back to the grind on Monday. Got track me tomorrow. Um, speaking of spring breaks, when and Zeb being in Colorado, I remember I spent a spring break in Colorado one time with that dude. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bro, I was I was nervous the whole week. Do not let them niggas kick in this house this week while I'm here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> All these damn lamps down here in this basement. <laughs> what the fuck? I did not like. I said, as I as I said, I, I didn't quite get my proper status while I was there, <laughs> but it did slow. You know, you know what they say. One month, so, 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 show. Right. So when he, when right. he gets his grower's license, understand that this nigga is a official. He knows what the fuck he's doing. You, you try, <laughs> he's been practiced. You trying to say his uh, basement? <laughs> his basement look like the intro to Belly. A whole bunch of lights. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to say it look like it look like Jumanji, nigga. <laughs> 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 oh shit! <laughs> You hear that? Oh, we boy, oh, we boy, oh, we boy, oh, we boy, oh, we Oh man, I'm good. Uh, shit, not much going on. Uh, currently, uh, 
I'm a Missouri nigga that's having to depend on uh, KU to come through for me and lose a game, so that way I can win this goddamn uh. bracket uh, at the at the gig. You know what I'm saying? So that's the it, it is the only person big me got KU winning it. If KU can get that fucking lose this week, got a hundred ten dollars coming my way. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? All right. It ain't happening tonight. It ain't happening tonight. No, no, no. I already saw that. I was okay. Come on, Providence, y'all big white ass. Why y'all so right. slow? God damn. I, I, I did watch the St. Peter's game though. Oh man. Yeah, I caught a little bit of that Bruh. too. And these niggas, they gonna be. I mean, they they gotta lose eventually, but they gonna be the, the first like fucking fifteen to be in the, the final four. Well, they the first one in the eight. Yeah. Yeah. Like, first one in the Yeah. Oh well, I didn't know that. Cause them yeah. niggas is balling. Because remember, losing the fifteen, losing the two was new about a decade ago. I think Mizzou was like the second one. You know what I'm saying? I'm bringing up old shit. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, but outside, I'm trying to think. I think I, I had an old nigga moment, but uh, had an Archie Bunker moment. But I don't. Yeah, it probably has something to do with working white people. But here we you go. have. Sound like you're having one right now. I am. No, I, no, I got. <laughs> we got this. Uh, this manager at the gig, and I don't know, do y'all watch Big Mouth on uh, Netflix? Yeah. Yeah. This I, woman looked like one of them hormone monsters, but not in a good way. And I oh. can't stop looking at her, dog. I'm, every time, I'll be in my head partying. But anyway, yeah, if y'all listening, <laughs> type in Big Mouth, hormone monster, when you listen, and then you'll just know that the person that's one of my managers who's worthless, uh, she looks like that. Anyway. All good. Let's keep it moving. Let's get let's get in here. I, I'm like, which hormone monster? Because if she looked like the dude, then like, uh. she looked like the woman. She is she built like the hormone oh. monster too. So that's not a compliment. Do you know how the hormone uh-huh. monster is built? Anyway, uh, yes. Come on, is AC? Hold on. Is he still on the boat? He just said something. I don't know. I think he out. But I, I'm not like, sure. Nigga, how you sending messages but you ain't on the, ch- the pot? Nigga, we 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 see you, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You didn't put. You usually uh send like you boot. I didn't see a message at least saying that you was booting up in like oh. thirty or whatever. You know. Oh my bad. Yeah, that did happen. But I, I sent the call out. But okay. but you called. Yeah, you yeah. did. Call. Yeah, you called. So I, uh, I that's what I saw. Yeah, right. me too. Yeah. We we started off with uh, and I was gonna play uh uh. Judge Jackson's uh, friend. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm say that for the end to wash down this bullshit that we about to read and see and everything. <coughs> sorry, I, I adjusted without y'all approval. I'm sorry, but yeah, I was looking at, I was looking at these uh these uh headlines and I was getting upset. Uh, Lindsey Graham storms out of Supreme Court hearing after meltdown on Chairman Durbin. Uh, following 30 minutes of questioning, the Supreme Court nominee uh, Kajana. I'm, I'm fucking this up already. Kentanji. I think Kintanji. it's Kentanji. Kentanji Brown. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it is. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham took umbrage with uh, Senate uh, Judiciary Chairman Dick Durbin, uh, fact-checked some of his comments about the legal disposition of Guantanamo detainees, leading the South Carolina Republican to start yelling before leaving in a huff. And it's crazy, mm-hmm. right? They're trying to use the fact that this woman who served as a public defendant for some time, mm-hmm. did her job. These the, the detainees from Guantanamo Bay who were seeking uh, represent, representation in the court system, they were uh-huh. assigned to her, and now it's they're trying to like 
use against her that she did her fucking job as a public defendant. Oh. Then it, I mean, so in other, huh? So in other words, they 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 uh, again moving the goalposts. I don't know if it's moving the goalposts, but it it I guess it is. But a lot of, a lot of what Graham was upset about had to do with a lot of this Guantanamo Bay shit, which is something like that shouldn't be fucking open to begin with. This all right. this black site off somewhere that you just go and just go away forever. Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. Uh, as Durbin calmly corrected Graham while looking at his notes, Graham shouted over him, exclaiming, the system failed miserably in advocates to change the system like this nominee was advocating would destroy our ability to protect this country. I don't have a Graham voice. Sorry. I just went, I went, I went old white racist. Sorry, my bad. That's uh, close. <laughs> but, uh, you, have to go southern, you have to go southern gentleman southern when, you, when you do it. No, he ain't no damn gentleman. No, no. Well, you know. Here we go. Here's the Graham continue. We're at war. We're not fighting crime. Isn't that what war is? Uh, pretty much. Okay. Uh, I, I'm confused. I don't know what I was doing in Iraq. Graham continued, his voice growing more shrill. This is not some passage of a time event. As long as they're dangerous, I hope they all die in jail if they're going to go back to kill Americans. And understand that a lot of people who are in Guantanamo Bay uh, were never charged or anything. They were basically here yeah. or in this village. Just detained. Uh, we're taking all you niggas. Abu Graham. Yep. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, hope they all die in jail if they're going to go back to kill Americans. It won't bother me one bit if 39 of them die in prison. There's a better outcome than letting them go. And if it costs $500 million to keep them in jail, keep them in jail. Because they'll go back to fight. I think he should have had um, my nigga uh, Samuel Jackson do this for him. Hell yeah, they deserve it. <laughs> I hope they die. <laughs> I hope they burn in hell. hell. <laughs> he needed Sam Jackson to come through for him. I hope they burn in hell. Because his bitch ass. That's pretty good. That's pretty um, good. That's pretty good. I should have had that queued at up. Le- at least I would have made it entertaining. Yeah. yeah right. I should have had that queued up. My bad. <laughs> Look at freaking <laughs> Afghan government made up so former good. detainees. That, uh, they'll go back to fight. Look at the freaking Afghan government made up of former detainees at Gitmo. The whole thing by... The whole thing by the left about this war ain't working. I don't. Okay, he lost me there. But okay. nah, you should you should you should have brought. Uh, you want me on that wall? You, want you need me on that wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been listening. We to use other, words like honor, code, loyalty. Hey, use a- <laughs> I've been listening to other podcasts. Oh, like if, if if me and Joe had time to fucking do drops like that, we would do drops like that. Like on the back end, Joe, you need me on that wall. You want me on that wall. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. That's like, how my, my brain my brain usually works in drops. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's crazy. Like like it's like motherfuckers can't even like acknowledge the fact that it ain't like she went there and propositioned these people. Like she had like a fucking uh, a business card and went to Guantanamo Bay and said, yes, "Hey, if you need right. legal representation, I'm your I'm your gal." Oh. Like right. no, these oh, niggas she was were assigned. Defender, so apparently she was assigned. Yeah, these <laughs> niggas were assigned to her to try to give some right. legitimacy to this illegal right. operation that we got going on in Guantanamo. You know what I'm saying? It, it's it's, uh-huh. it's it's insane. And you talking about in that yeah, five right. that five hundred million? That's per prisoner. That's not that's not that's right. not that's not that's ridiculous. That's not that's keeping not, that's yeah. not keeping Guantanamo Bay itself open. 
it may not be per prisoner, but right. it may be like one or two. But it ain't five hundred million just for the Guantanamo Bay. This we talking about money. That's way more than that. We got niggas that can't get to fucking work who want to work because gas is damn near four dollars. But we paying five hundred million for one or two niggas who ain't been charged with shit to, to keep a jail open. Right. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is wrong right. with this country, bro? We, we know what's wrong with it. Anyway, um, we don't get to. And they and they and they always want to talk about yeah. uh, upholding the Constitution and all that shit. That's why they assigned the motherfuckers. Uh, defense attorneys, yeah. defense you know attorneys, right? It, it, because yeah. that's part, you know, that's those are some rights that are guaranteed, uh, you know, in our constitution, the Bill of Rights and all that. So I know. So but they, but they, but, you know, but they can't. They, the thing is, and this, yeah. the, this, the whole thing, man, is that the thing is, is that they ain't got nothing legitimate to uh, to, to against to object. Yeah, to 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 raise any legitimate objections to her uh, nomination and confirmation. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, they gotta come know. with all this bullshit. You know. So they got they can't because they can't use the obvious. She's a black woman. You did your they job. They can't use that. You did your job. So. That, that's what they going with. Yeah. You you did your job, nigga Shane. What the right. fuck? I cannot nominate what the you. What you doing your job has to do with Senate confirmation. Hold on. They got. I think we had audio from this shit too. Following thirty. Oh, I'm not playing this whole thing, lady. Get hold on. There he is. Hello. So I have a methodology that I use in my cases in order to ensure that I am uh, ruling impartially and that... So your judicial philosophy is to rule impartially? No, my judicial philosophy is to rule impartially and to rule consistent with the limitations on my authority as a judge. And so my methodology actually helps me to do that in every... This nigga ain't even listening. You can tell. No, he's not. Right. He's he only listen. trying to form the question in his fucking head. Yeah. Case. yeah. Right. You wouldn't exactly. say that you're an activist judge. I would not say that. Okay. <clears throat> so we'll have a 20 minutes more later on, but here's what I would say. That every group that wants to pack the court, that believes this court is a bunch of right-wing nuts that are going to destroy America, that consider the... And we talking about packing the court, nigga. A motherfucker step down. Yeah, this ain't got right. shit to do with packing exactly. the court, bro. There is a fucking, there's a spot open on the team. Yeah, we ain't exactly. we ain't, we ain't right. created a spot. And yes, I get that. I get that. Fucking Biden and and and, and Democrats have talked about uh, fucking more spots packing. And never mind the fact. Motherfucking Trump got one, two, three of them. Right, three of them, three in a row. Well, we gonna talk about packing the court, man. And turn, and turn one of them. Turn one well, of them, well, right? Hey, do, do do not do not leave. If you are gonna start pointing fingers, do not leave Mitch McConnell out of that conversation because that's oh, the motherfucker who orchestrated oh, the whole thing. Oh, he's in here. He's, he, yeah, oh, don't he worry, brother oh, Joe. This, he's a he he, he yeah, one. Bitch is coming up. His bitch ass is in one of these tabs. Don't you worry, brother. <laughs> don't you worry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't you worry. But look, man. When it comes to court, at the end. When it comes to court packing, he's a court packing master. That's court all I'm saying. Right. Master. Yeah. He's a court and at the end of the day, the only people that could, that can pack the courts is the president and the motherfucking con and the Senate. So you know what I mean? Because the president nominates candidates and the Senate uh, uh, approves them. Well, well, well no, so, no, 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 no. So I'm not 100 percent sure on that. The the number of Justices is not set in the Constitution. We've had different numbers over the years. We had five at one point. We had seven at one point. 
Um, right, yeah, of course. But what I'm saying is they could go to 11, they could go to 15. I'm not, right. I'm, I'm not sure that's only on Senate. That might be on the House, too. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, that aspect. I was about, like, just it, saying it, yeah, as far increasing, as increasing you, can, you can have groups, you can have outside groups that are advocating for, certain, for, for packing the court a certain way, but the only way that it can actually get packed the only way that any justice can actually become a Supreme Court justice is they have to get nominated by the president and they have to be confirmed by the Senate. You know what I'm saying? Now, when you're talking about what you were just saying about changing the number of seats and stuff, I believe you're right that it is, you know, it's a full congressional situation uh, that has to, you know, come to agreement on that. But, um, hey. but yeah, you know, I mean, so I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what he's talking about is what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be it's going to be. We, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead Joe. Well, uh, what he's talking about is the people who want to change the size of the court are also advocates for this woman. Yep. And so he is anti-packing as a conservative. Oh, so he's so he specifically talk, so he so when he says the term packing the court that he's he's referring to uh, changing the number of seats. Yes. So he's okay, saying see, I was the, just taking the it. people the people who want to the people who want to change the number of seats and pack the court. Are also simultaneously advocates for uh, John yeah, Brown Jackson, and so he's saying if they, they are on that, which he, he considers to be extremist, by proxy, you know what I'm saying? Fucking, uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? She is. is that she's Jackson. an extremist, an activist, activist judge. That's that's the rest of what he's drawing here. Yeah. Okay, I see. I see. Even though he voted for her twice, and in, in the federal right district. Anyway, never mind. I hate him. We'll play a little more sound for his bitch ass. Okay. Constitution trash. All wanted you picked. And this is all I can say is the fact that so many of these left-wing radical groups that would destroy the law as we know it declared war on Michelle Childs and supported you is problematic. And Michelle Childs, I believe that's the woman that he wanted um not black me. judge from yeah, South yeah. Carolina. Black, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, but I think also uh, Tim Scott, I think was on that also. Mm-hmm. And, and or maybe, no, no, it was Claiborne. Claiborne, the majority whip. Ah, okay. Okay. And I think I think uh, Claiborne has switched on it and said, "Hey, I'm good. I'm on the team. I'm with I'm with Katanji. Um, you know, being a South Carolina man. You know what I'm saying? All right. So I don't know if he's beat that drum for his state. Or if he's just being a contrarian because, you know. Really just be a bit be a bitch ass nigga. Because he's Lindsay. That's the, <laughs> the, nigga, right. the nigga was born with the name Lindsay, so I mean, you know, okay. whatever. Lindsay, right. So, sometimes it's as simple as a girl's as, name. Yeah. Sometimes it's as simple as you just being a bitch ass nigga. And we just gotta leave it at yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we, we mm-hmm. enough sound from that nigga. There's no no more understanding past that. Yeah. Uh from a bitch ass nigga from the great state of Missouri. Uh Josh Allen. Oh. oh shit! Hold on, my bad. Eighteen years old. You also said. Hold on. You also said to to this individual, who is an adult, tried as an adult, eighteen years old. You also said to him, besides saying that you thought his victims were his peers, you also said there's no reason to think that you are a pedophile. And then you went on to say again, that's another. Hey, did y'all see that black woman's face? Hold on. Yeah, I, I missed it. Hold on, that when she drank that water and put it down, nigga, the way she looked at this. You thought his victims were his peers. You also said there's no reason to think that you are a pedophile. 
And then you went on to say, again, that's another reason why you weren't going to give him, you're only going to give him three months because you would have judged that he wasn't a pedophile. And then you said, and this is something I'd, I, I really need your help understanding. Then you apologized to him. And I, I just have to tell you, I can't quite figure this out. You said to him, this is a truly difficult situation. I appreciate that your family's in the audience. I feel so sorry for them and for you and for the anguish this has caused all of you. I feel terrible about the collateral consequences of this conviction. And then you go on to say sex offenders are truly shunned in our society. I'm just trying to figure out, Judge, is he the victim here or are the victims the victims? You're saying that you are, you're apologizing to him. You're saying you're sorry for the anguish this is that we have. You this to your credit, and sex offenders are truly shunned in our... The entire record. Uh, help me understand. I mean, is, is he a victim? Is that your view here? Is that why you said this? Is that what you meant by Senator, it? I, I, again, don't have the entire record. I remember in that particular case, I considered it to be unusual, in part for the reasons that I described. I remember in that case that defense counsel was arguing for probation, in part because he argued that here we had a very young man, just graduated from high school. He presented all of his diplomas and- Ain't there a nigga on Supreme Court who got, who had similar, I, uh, I like beer? Uh, no, 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 that's not similar at all. Well, he was a kid, he was a kid at that, at that time. He was the motherfucker who did it, and she just ruled on the case. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. I'm just saying. True, I'm, true. Saying, it's, it's a, I'm saying this motherfucker on the Supreme Court who actually, I'm like Josh Howley should understand him and uh, I'm sure him and uh, what's that motherfucker's name? Kavanaugh have had a few beers. Kavanaugh. He loved beer. So uh, I like beer. I like beer. Yeah, I like beer. Shit, there's another drop. <laughs> and certificates and the things that he had done and argued, consistent with what I was seeing in the record that this particular defendant had gotten into this in a way that was, I thought, inconsistent with some of the other cases that I had seen. Part of what a judge is doing, as required by Congress, is thinking about this case, thinking about unwarranted sentencing disparities, that's in the statute, other cases, other determinations that a judge may have made about this. I don't remember in... Josh Halley just took a note to figure out what the word statute means. Because as soon as she said it, he was real confused and started writing. Yeah, he started writing. Like, Detail this particular word. case, but I do recall it being unusual. And so my, my only point to you is that judges are doing the work of assessing in each case a number of factors that are set forward by Congress, all against the backdrop of heinous criminal behavior. But the guidelines are no longer mandatory. Congress has not corrected, as you would say, the Supreme Court's determination about that. Just I like I should keep hitting that Congress. Uh, you niggas in here <laughs> uh, who've been setting these uh, laws and rules and precedences and everything else and agreeing upon and help shape 
how we rule. Uh, yeah, you niggas. Right. Yeah, you right. Nah, he looked like an old mandatory minimum motherfucker over here, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah he is. <laughs> so, so I mean, yeah, I mean, I think judges should have discretion to look at cases, the <laughs> case, case by case, and determine. You know, what I'm saying this case might not, you know, meet the same criteria as another one, and and have discretion. She she put the man in jail. She didn't put right. him in jail for as long as you know some people would have liked. Uh, we felt the same way about old girl in Dallas that uh, shot both in Jean. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Exactly. She got a hug. She got a hug in the Bible. <laughs> and you know, since ten years, I bet you, I bet we, weren't, you. we weren't happy with that either. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. I think, no, I, I, mean, I think you got to take both ways. I don't know. Yeah, and, you, and and I think we yeah, you're not always gonna be happy with a ruling or with a judgment. You know what I'm saying? Uh, right. But I like how she you know laid out how she came to her. Her ruling and her judgment. So, ah, this motherfucker here. And now the bitch. I mean, Mitch. Uh, yeah, bitch McConnell slammed by appalled former GOP counsel for plan to vote no on Judge Jackson. John Jackson, apparent. Hold on, is he is he talking? Oh man, is he, he's talking. Appearing on CNN yeah. on Friday morning, the former. Okay, what? Uh, uh, there, there's no way I, I, I can vote for. I, I, I can vote for. You know, you, y'all know. Nah, bro, you just say well. gobble, 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 gobble. You know, okay. <laughs> that's all you gotta say. Whenever you want to say, Mr. whatever Mr. McConnell's saying, just say gobble, gobble. Y'all know good. Y'all know good and goddamn well. He said Kuta Kente Brown Jackson. He did not say. Yeah. Uh, appearing uh, on CNN Friday morning, former GOP counsel for the House Government Reform and Oversight Committee hammered Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell for his decision to vote against placing Judge God damn it, Judge Brown on the Supreme Court. Oh, you about to say ketchup, ketchup brown. Je- I don't know, something. Gobble, hey, like, hey, like Zeb said, gobble, gobble. I'm just going to say gobble, gobble, nigga. Tanji. Uh, <laughs> Uh, McConnell, who refused to allow hearings on Merrick Garland's nomination to the court, added Judge Jackson was the court Packers pick. And now, th- 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 this co- we talked about it before, though, right? We hate it. Yeah. We hate it. We hate it. We hate it. But when these motherfuckers get a talking point, my lord, you gonna hear it. Nigga. You gonna hear it a hundred times. Yeah, they pound it. Yeah, they gonna pound yeah, it they, to you. They dog. pound that nail. What yeah, the fuck uh-huh. does he mean? He he is the original court packer. How, yeah. how the fuck is that? If he ain't voting for him, how should the court packers pick? Right. I don't know. That's what he yeah, that's sound, that sound like the pot calling kettle black, man. Really. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. I thought I had uh, a different story. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. What did he say? What did he say? Uh, Nelson delivered an extensive response. Sophia, Amy Coney Barrett, also well qualified, uh, killer began. The ABA had called for an FBI investigation to Brett Kavanaugh. I want to make this very clear about some of the dis- distinctions in the reaction to some of these nominees. I wonder what you thought about Republicans, what they what they did during this hearing, and how they seemed to say, well, Brett Kavanaugh was treated very poorly. And that's something else I've been saying, been going around too, another talking point, Republicans saying that she would be treated better than other nominees. And I'm like, bruh, you got a motherfucker. Yeah, you got Brett Kavanaugh, who 
got all these allegations. You got mm-hmm. you got old Amy over here, who yeah, uh, I, I hate to say it, not qualified. She's not very underqualified. Compared, especially compared to Judge Brown Jackson. You know what I'm saying? I can't hear you, Joe. Uh-huh. Joe, I can't hear you, bro. Katanji. Katanji. I just want to say, I just want to say, Judge Joe Brown. Judge Brown. Nah, that's that's misogynistic right there, sir. How's that misogynistic? How's it? I would, if I if I was if I was in front of, if I was in front of her, I would not say Katanji. I would say Judge Jackson, or the Honorable Judge Jackson. It's the Honorable Judge Brown Jackson. There, K, K, uh, KBJ, KBJ, yeah, KBJ. There we go. We go. I go with KBJ. KBJ and there we yeah. go. I, I'm, I'm like, yeah. I'm having her name. All names for me for the most part. But at the same time, I'm trying to give respect to the fact that I would not be calling her by her first name if I was standing in front of her. Right. I'll be calling your honor. Yeah, honorable. Yeah, I like it. KBJ. There we go. Everybody else, we got uh, the we got who's it? RBJ. Who's it? Uh, what's her name? Ruth. Mm-hmm. RBG. Ruth. RBG. RBG. Yeah. So yeah, we go. KBJ. We first 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 heard here on Brothers Breaking Bread. Anyway, McConnell's a bitch. All these motherfuckers are bitches, and they trying they trying. Fuck, fuck moving the goalposts. They trying to move a football field into a basketball arena. Yeah, uh, that's that's what they doing right now, bro. Yeah, they changing the stadium. No, they changing the game. They they changing the football field to a soccer field or a well, yeah. field or some shit. Uh, yeah, comparing comparing this trial to Brett Kavanaugh's is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yes, it yeah. Like like it's not the last one that was had. The last one was had by um, ACB. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett and and hers went by like that, you know okay. what I'm saying? Yep. They yep. And so she was treated, you know, she was asked questions. She evaded every single fucking question she was ever asked. Like they probably asked her her name. She was like, well, you know, Damn, I would tell you, <laughs> I would tell you my name, but technically, when I was born, I think I was reading somewhere that that she was like the first uh, nominee to do that shit, man, to just refuse to answer certain questions. <laughs> Uh, really? I don't know. I, don't, I, don't. That's, I, I was reading something earlier or uh, yesterday or something. I can't remember what what I was reading, but I don't know. I, I don't know. The, I don't know the veracity of it. I don't know if that's true or not. But I don't know. I was reading that. But I mean, to compare this thing to Kavanaugh, you had the Gorsuch nomination. You had you had the ACB. Why are we why are we comparing it to Kavanaugh? You know what I'm saying? All right. Kavanaugh was accused of something egregious. Egregious. But the, but I I, 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 I get because you can't really say like you, as as we pointed out you can't really say ABC or whatever yeah, the fuck her name is uh, you can't really say that nigga hold on hold on you don't went from fucking up names to fucking up initials <laughs> a, ABC this nigga went easy is one two three this nigga goddamn ACB nigga goddamn ABC <laughs> Hey, 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 cue that, cue that motherfucking Sesame Street music, nigga. Sunny day. <laughs> ACB, you can't really, like we put it out, because she didn't say shit, and it's like, they're trying, like, without even discussing the reason why the Kavanaugh shit 
And I don't even think he got to a dirty level. They just asking this motherfucker questions. Like, they asking about that financial shit. They asking about all these other, these, these yeah. women coming out against this motherfucker. Questions that should have been asked, you know what I'm saying? And they try, and, but, I mean, but, 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 but they trying to say, oh, that was dirty without trying to put out, well, what were the questions asked? And, and now the, the, right. the media has been so fucking castrated. These niggas don't even ask these questions. You know what I'm saying? Especially on the a lot of the we, last week, not last week, two weeks ago when we did that show, where it's kind of like this these talking heads, and no one asked the question of so yeah, but why did it get dirty? Didn't this nigga have these allegations? Didn't this nigga? Mm-hmm. They were trying to figure out right. how this nigga had like all this debt that just disappeared all of a sudden before he showed up here right. for this nomination. Right. So yeah, mm. I'm with you, Joe. It's just like yeah, but it's just like. I don't know, man. The way we allow these motherfuckers to operate and shift and change the fucking just the game is so fucking frustrating. And they, and they, and they ain't even slick about it. Not even they're not even slick about it, dog. It's just so heavy handed. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, and, 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 and I don't know. You like? I wish we had the woman on the on the podcast today. I wish we had Kim and her cakes on today. Yeah, yeah, I, I send her a message. She, yes, she might be asleep. She might have overdosed on the car. Or 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 uh, or Ida. You know what I'm saying, Lady Lavender. But but you know what I'm saying. I think um, from what I've seen across the internet is women looking, black women looking at this and seeing how ridiculous it is to see these old underqualified, yeah. old under underqualified, entitled white men. Yep. Asking questions of this supremely qualified black woman. Who had to do twice as much as as any of her peers to get half as far? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it it it, it just it's been frustrating for them to watch. It's been you know I, I haven't had a chance to watch as much. I saw a couple of clips we have here in the, in the chat group. Yep. But um, I mean, it's a, it's it's the old story, man. Yeah. I heard Cory Booker part of what he was saying. Uh, he says something about uh. Uh, he was quoting somebody else. I don't remember who, but he was said, uh, you know, to get to where you've gotten as a as a black woman, uh, you know, you've had to walk backwards with heels on. Yeah, it was it was it was, it was, it was Ginger Rogers. Ginger Rogers said, "I did everything that Fred Astaire did, except I did it backwards in heels." Right. There it is. Right. Yeah. Tight, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, what you what you know what what y'all been saying is is exactly on point, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, speaking of uh, yeah. unqualified bitch ass white men, so as we get into into that, these very simply stated questions do not require overthinking. So I suppose another question here, though, is where does this come from? Well, KBJ, Katanji Brown Jackson, is what your country looks like. Why does it sound so racist when he say it? Because he's a racist. No. I mean, the, no. Question, the question is the answer, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Oh, that was rhetorical. My bad. It, 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 no, no, no. Thank you. Because, like, nigga, I can smell the fresh cotton on the white sheet that he probably got. Behind his fucking chair, nigga. When he's the way he said her name, bro. Well, KBJ, Katanji Brown Jackson, is what your country looks like on critical race theory. KBJ is your country on CRT. KBJ, Katanji Brown Jackson, 
is an embodiment of the tyranny that we currently live under. Tyranny. Tyranny. Nigga, there's been like what two hundred Supreme Court justices over the over time, and like what a hundred and ninety-seven of them have been white men. Right. Talking about, talking about tyranny. What the fuck is he talking about? Tyranny. He said tyranny. tyranny. These are audible Nigga. white tears, Joe. That's what they are. These are audible. White, white tears, nigga. This motherfucker was trying to uh, trying to get a guest spot on the crackers, cracking crackers, man. Nah, we would have. Nah, like we would have broke character, dog. What, we just would have cut his ass. Smooth the fuck out. Like, 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 like this black woman is. And, 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 but here's the thing, though, right? She's went to all like if we, when you list all the institutions she's went to. And had yeah. leadership positions. Uh-huh. You're talking about PWIs, dog, primary white institutions, dog. We ain't talking about, yeah. and, and it shouldn't matter, yeah. but how is that fucking tyranny? How is that CRT, nigga? She's going, yeah. Harvard, nigga. She's at Harvard. Magna, Magna Cum Laude from Harvard. Harvard, yes. nigga. She ain't no and grambling then, graduate who's, and even, like, I hate saying that because that's, damn, I feel racist. Damn, damn, you just said all the grambling graduates. But no, but no, 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 no. Let, hold on, before, before, hold on. Let me explain. Let me explain. Let me explain. What I'm saying is, they want to make like like the same way they did to fucking with uh Obama. They want to make her this black, 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 and she may be, but her road to success has been through all these historically white institutions. So what in the fuck is he talking about? To get to their success, right? Well, you know that he don't never he, he he just throw out the critical race theory. He throw out the CRT, but he don't never bother trying explain to explain it. No. Yeah, explain how she is the poster oh, child he, for he, fucking he, CRT. No, yeah, he did. He, he went on to say she's stupid. <laughs> well, he said that to be yeah, definitely open. He like all these questions that don't require a lot of thought. Without, without, oh, even, without, yeah. without, and, and this is only a five minute clip from the show, so maybe he did play some of the questions, but. But that's the reason why I played her answering that fucking cracker from Missouri, Josh Holly, because you can clearly yeah. see she took a, a question that was not, I don't think was an easy question, a complex question that requires some thought for her to lay out why she judged the way she judged, and she explained it very clearly. So yeah, what in the to, fuck is he talking a little, about? A lot of recall. She had to a, 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 nu- a nuanced expression you know, yeah. saying, of, of, of what her judgment was. And so this dude... For this motherfucker who was a shock jock, shock you know what I'm saying? Shock jock for who? To call, to, call, to call one of the greatest legal minds in the country unintelligent, that's clown shit. You know what I'm saying? That's white people shit. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Amy Coney Barrett, okay? Did, there we go. Did, did she have, no, 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 no. Did she have the same background as uh uh, Kataji Brown Jackson, no, not, but this, not even but, close. But 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 she, I'm not gonna call her stupid. No, she's I'm not, not gonna say she's not right. Oh no, I'm oh, not no, gonna she's say she's not, not qualified. She's just not. Yo 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 yo, chill out, relax, relax. Yeah, relax. Everyone, <sighs> I'm just. I'm not gonna say this. I'm not gonna say that she's not qualified for the job. She has an unconventional route uh, compared to other people in that she did not go to an Ivy League school, but she went to a prestigious university in in uh, Notre Dame. Correct. Um, but. To sit here and say this Harvard grad, twice Harvard grad, Harvard Law and Harvard undergrad with a magna cum laude, uh, is is unintelligent, man. That's just 
You just saying shit to say shit. And we at that point. Yeah. And we talked about a couple episodes ago. The only time they shit on Ivy League schools and when it's a nigga who's graduated from an Ivy League school who's about to stand forth and have to represent this fucking nation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But did the same we talked about it, did the same thing with Barack Obama. They doing the same yes, thing. They did. I'm and I'm sure there's countless uh-huh. names who aren't like Supreme Court justice presidents of the, uh, of, the uh, of the United States and shit like that. But the only time you see these schools get right. uh, any other time it's a white dude or a white woman, oh nigga, they Ivy mm-hmm. League graduated, blah blah blah. When as soon as a nigga, mm. yeah, they hold that shit up left, on left, the plat- left wing, on the left wing. But what, but what are SAT scores? That too. Say <laughs> LSAT. <laughs> hey, man, hey, no, no, no. What is your Iowa basic? What's that? What's the shit we should do back in? Yeah, Iowa? I, I, TBS, <laughs> yeah, uh, I need to see it. I need to see it, nigga. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. What did you yes. get on the presidential? What was that shit we did in gym class? The presidential achievement award. Yeah, I need to know. I need to know. How many times? How far did was you able to stretch and touch the end of that board, lady? I need to know. There were a lot. Of, there were a lot of people who went to Mizzou that scored way better than me on ACT. You know what I'm saying? And watched and watched the fuck out. Or or didn't do nearly as well as I did in classes. You know what I'm saying? So if she yeah, got in, if sure. she got in the building for having an average SAT school, which I doubt, she probably had. She probably rocked that shit too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but her. she she got in the building or you know on the campus and and got Magnum Loud made it into law school and rocked out there and then got several um, apprenticeships, including with Supreme Court justices. Shut the fuck up, right? I'm, Shut like, the fuck if, up. If this if this if, if if you put ACB with this fucking resume in front of the court, they would have been they'd have had hard ons all day talking about how qualified she is. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh yeah, exactly. no doubt for sure. Nigga, they couldn't find a, a, yeah. Nigga, this is let, 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 number let, praise. Let, AB, yeah. a, I mean, I, mean, I almost said it again. ACB, I almost said ABC again, nigga. ACB <laughs> is, I mean, like I get it. She, the honorable judge. Brown Jackson would have to be Michael Jordan, and then ACB would be like John Paxson. Like, yeah, you made it to the league, right. nigga, but you ain't Jordan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, right. Your resume right. good. You went to college. You made it to the league, but nigga, so you ain't making it. You ain't you ain't, you ain't being considered for the hall. I get right. it. I get it. I mean, I get it. These white, these white, these. And it, it was crazy is. We, we cover these shows. We, we cover these news clips and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And maybe you know, and maybe you know, the people in my job don't. You know, I just I be watching them. But like, I, I know there are people who I know voted for Trump. Who I know voted yeah, for Trump. Sure. There are people who yeah. I know. And cause we talked about it. We had like the, the, like deep talks about it. And why I didn't fuck with him and shit like that. And then the same people who come to me and like, oh, just, just I, I hope she make it. I've read some of her rulings. She seems very reasonable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm like, who are these people? Right. These motherfuckers who are just like she can't, she, she she don't deserve to serve. Anyway, man, fuck him. Fuck, fuck, fuck you, Charlie. <sighs> Country looks some critical race theory, dog. These motherfuckers is. Oh yeah, this is. Did y'all see this shit? This little. No. Uh, and this is from the GOP Twitter account. Wow. Blue check and all, dog. This ain't this ain't some fucking crazy ass person who just made this up. This is the GOP Twitter account who put up a, a GIF or GIF, however you want to do it, uh, 
of Judge, the Honorable Judge here, with the K- Katanji Brown Jackson. Katanji Brown Jackson <laughs> with the KBJ blacked out, and they scribbled in CRT. This is the oh, fucking yeah, GOP yeah. official website. I mean, Twitter uh, uh, account, bro. The official GOP mm. Twitter account. Putting this shit out. How could you fucking be a black person and vote for the Republicans in 2022? That don't make no damn sense. Right. No, this is, this is fucking no. ridiculous. And one of my First. favorite, and I, offhand here, but because it's one of my favorite accounts to follow on Twitter is the racism watchdog, and all he does is go woof, woof, or woof, 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 depending <laughs> on how racist it is. This nigga got at least 20 woof, 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 woofs in his, uh, on, the, on the reply. I love it. All right. Yeah. The racism watchdog. Oh, I love it. I love it. Katanji, man. Katanji, the honorable Katanji Brown Jackson don't deserve this dog. The official GOP Twitter account. Wow. <laughs> anyway, yeah. You know, to, to respond to, to what you to what you asked, Joe, to what you said about how can you be a black person in 2022 and vote Republican, my grandfather is obviously a black person, and uh, he's actually not my blood grandfather, but he's my grandfather, though. But um, uh, he's a Republican. He's been Republican for years, for as long as I've known him. Um, and to this day, he still brings up the fucking fact that Abraham Lincoln <laughs> was a Republican. Well, he's not alone. They all do that shit. They, yeah, all, they all, all do, right. They all do. You know what I'm saying? I, I, did, I did it on the, uh, the Colors Cracking Crackers. I did it too. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But, but after watching them blatantly call this woman out as critical race theory, as if she's not eminently qualified, it's fucking ridiculous. Yep. Yeah, utterly. Utterly. Like, like if, if you say, hey, I am fundamentally opposed to her philosophy and her judicial, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, demeanor. Right. Ooh, I got you. But to say it's critical race theory, fuck out of here. Yeah. yeah, it don't make no sense. All right. None. Like I said, we're going to watch some of this now with, uh, oh, my bad, SAC. Nigga, we on? My bad. Damn, sorry. <laughs> Tell him to call in now, somebody. I'm going to, uh, uh, nigga, duh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. We're going to, uh, you know what? We're going to watch some of this down, some of this bullshit down. Uh, with Katani, uh, Brown's, uh, uh, friend, close friend, best friend. Uh, I, got, I don't know if she's the best friend, but a friend speaking on her behalf. Herman Durbin. Ranking Member Grassley and members of the Senate Judiciary. My name is Lisa Fairfax. I am a presidential professor of law at the University of Pennsylvania School of Law and co-director of its Institute for Law and Economics. Prior to my academic career, I worked at uh, corporate... Oh, you know what? Never mind. This is the CRT that uh, Charlie Kirk was talking about. These two black women who are in positions of leadership. My bad. I get, I get My bad, Charlie. My bad. We get it now. Fuck you, nigga. ...in securities law at a large law firm. <laughs> but before that, I was roommate and a very dear friend at Harvard College and Harvard Law School of Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, who I am so very honored to introduce to you today and to the American people. 
Katanji and I met during our first days of college nearly 35 years ago. Those first moments when you wonder if you belong. She's the friend that made sure we all did. A woman of deep faith in God and unyielding love for family, Katanji defines friendship. She's the friend you're immediately drawn to for their outgoing and friendly nature. As our circle of friends grew, she's the one who became the rock for us all. Even though we are the same age, she is the role model who makes you believe in what she said. You can do it, and here's how. And she showed us how. By the power of her example of hard work, preparation, and excellence that transforms the seemingly impossible into the achievable. Together, we poured our souls into our studies, graduating college with honors, and then doing it all over again when we enrolled and graduated law school with honors. We became sisters and saw each other's families as our own. We both met our husbands when we were students, and we were there for each other as we walked down the aisles, started our legal careers, and eventually our lives as working mothers. My husband, Roger Fairfax, now Dean of American University's Washington College of Law, has described Katanji's impeccable credentials that's distinguished her at every level of her professional career. He also... When I say she got her own money, she got her own money. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean... I don't know. It's, like, it just, it, it, it's just... It's, it, it's not missed on me that if this is two white women, two white men talking on behalf of each other, they they just they, they just shut the fucking confirmation down right there and be like bring the bring uh, bring the Bible out. Go ahead, we're gonna bring the we're gonna go ahead right. and swear right. in right now. No more discuss here. <laughs> no more no more discuss here. Wait a minute, both of you law school graduate dean of what your husband your wife yeah, honors. Oh, don't nigga. forget that part. Bring bring the Bible. Bring the bring the good Bible, please. <laughs> in my in my chat group, my chat group with Ruben and Shazad, uh-huh. uh, this picture I don't know if you see it of uh of his her daughter looking at him. Y'all see it right? That's her yeah. daughter. Yeah. So Shazad puts that picture up in the group. It says, "Man, she's hot." I was like, "Nigga, she a child." What the fuck you talking? <laughs> <laughs> So what? And, so, and so he kept digging. And I was like, "Dude, put the shovel down." You know what I'm saying? Stop! Stop! And so, um, pull stop, pull stop. Right, all that. And so then, um, he asked Ruben to give him a, a fucking statement. So Ruben come out there with a formal statement. <laughs> Let me read this motherfucker. Hold on. That shit was silly as hell. So Ruben, Ruben, Ruben came out and says, "We have a statement, Mr. Quabani." <laughs> Was under the influence of sleep aid at the time he made the unfortunate comment about Judge Brown Jackson's daughter. Mr. Kobani has strong record as a family man and a firmly opposed family to the mistreatment and abuse of children worldwide. Mr. Kobani will now undertake a period of deep reflection alongside his family in order to better understand his mistakes and learn. <laughs> we, will, we will take no questions at this time except from that youngest looking female reporter in the third row. <laughs> release a statement. Boy, isn't that the lawyer answer right there? <laughs> uh, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, 
Man, what the hell was going on, Joe? With uh, what was y'all on Discord or something? Yeah. Jesus Christ, man! I looked at my fucking text thing. It had like a million goddamn messages on that bit. Yeah, you be tied to the party, man. I'm like, I ain't even gonna try to figure out what the hell was happening. <laughs> well, basically, uh, Shamari and I played the song that you did, well, that you were on. Yeah, right. Uh huh. To, to Jeremy, and Jeremy was like, "It don't make sense for him to cuss. He should do it over." And I was like, "He's not gonna do it over. He's it's." It was something that was in the moment. If you you like it, oh, you talking about my part? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it was cussing in it. He's like, it was supposed to be positive. Why is it cussing? I'm like, well, shit. Cussing and positivity. Yeah, why are they mutually exclusive? I don't think they are. No, <laughs> yeah. oh, uh, not at all. You know what I'm saying? So Jeremy is like, you can't be positive and cuss. And I was like, it doesn't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? No, that's a- so yeah, I don't I don't even understand where he Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. He he man, I don't know, man. He he trying to He doing the same shit Shamari did twenty years ago, man. Oh, okay. I mean it's all good, whatever. But it is what it is. But I mean I was like but then you know, Jeremy likes to snap too. And then it's like so he took this shit to the chat group and I was like, What the fuck, bro? We had this conversation last night. Why are we still talking about it? You know what I'm saying? And he asked me, like, I'm stupid. Like, I don't understand his point of view. And I'm like, right. <laughs> yeah, again, that you just don't agree. <laughs> I just don't agree. I don't agree with the shit. You know what I'm saying? He like, he like, he like, uh, he think I'm saying, like, I, I, I was trying to explain to him that, you know what I'm saying? He over here talking about, if I'm talking about positive shit, you can't say it in church. You can't say it at the job. Nigga, this is hip hop. We ain't saying right. this shit at church. We ain't saying it at the job. Right. Right. <laughs> Hey, well, how Shamari feel? Shamari was neutral. You know, Shamari got them uh, born again Tennessee's too. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I know. And so um, he was neutral, but you know he liked to poke. He liked to poke the bear. <laughs> right. And he was fucking. And, and so the biggest problem I had was, was Discord was fucking trash. Like, you know how we talk here, and, it's, and we pretty much can get everything out, and, and it, you don't miss anything. Like. I don't know. I, I didn't have it on my computer. I was doing it web-based, and it, I, like mm-hmm. you would talk, and it wouldn't start. You couldn't hear nothing until like two seconds into whatever you say. You know what I'm saying? So if you say something real quick, you miss that completely. You know what I mean? Oh, okay, yeah. And so I was just getting fucking frustrated with the fucking app, right? And Jeremy miss. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I, I was just like, you either like what we did with that shit. Or you don't like it. To ask him to do it again is fucking asinine. To to arbitrarily cut out the cuss words is asinine. You know. I could. I, you, you were right. I wouldn't do it again. Number one, I just be like, well, don't use it. But I could. I wouldn't do it because I couldn't do it again. Exactly. And, and, and it be what it is. You know what I mean? Exactly. I'm saying it. So I, my thing was, I'm about authenticity. If he cuss saying something authentic, I'm cool with it because we're not playing it in church. Right. And and ain't every ain't every song supposed to be on the radio? You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. right. So I don't know. It, it it just I was frustrated with the app. I was frustrated with Jeremy. I was <laughs> you know Shamari started picking, and then it's fucking with me. And I was on the way to meet somebody and, and work on a project, and um, you know they kept calling me out like <laughs> I don't know. Man, I just I just sometimes I'll be like yo. 
<laughs> what they call? Which I mean, they call like uh, freestyle or something. Well, no, we freestyle on on the, on the app too, but they were uh, on. I'm talking on the text in the text thread. Oh, okay, uh huh. Like Joe, where you at? Da da da. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. Yeah. And so Shamari says something, and, and Jeremy talking about he got God on his side. I'm like, how? Do, what? What are you talking? About? <laughs> what are you talking about? You just cussed in the thread five minutes ago. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what are we talking about? Da 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 da. Oh, Jeremy, crazy man. So, so it was okay to cuss if you're saying something negative, but if you say something negative, <laughs> you couldn't cuss. That was the that was the thesis, bro. You gotta put the cussing in the proper context. <laughs> exactly. So if you say something positive, you say cussing it takes away from the positivity. I'm like, nigga, fuck that. <laughs> you only can you only can cuss if you're negative. That's that's what he's that's what he was basically putting it as. If you on a song and you saying something positive, you can't cuss. But if I say I'm happy as fuck, what does that add to the that's, positivity? Dude, <laughs> that means you're not happy. That's as positive as a motherfucker, right there. Let me, let me, so he was doing that shit. Let me see if I can find a fucking, uh. Girl, girl your pussy good as shit. Nigga, that, that's two cuss words, nigga. <laughs> that's that's the problem right there, yep. Exactly. Hold on, <laughs> let me see if I can find a shit. I put, I put an example out there. If I could, uh, if I could rap, the they definitely wouldn't have me on the track. Because I'm like, oh, that's what we're doing? I'm about to, <laughs> it's about to boo, 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 boo. <laughs> Bars. Sabotage that bitch. Right. <laughs> here, here you go, here you go. So this is my, this is my example. My nigga, good to see how you uh, doing well and shit. How the fuck you been? Glad as fuck to hear you. <laughs> Glad as fuck, Jeremy. Fuck to hear that shit. It doesn't nigga so right to see you shining like a motherfucker. Uh, kick that shit up, my nigga. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I... it, they fucking hair back, bro. I was like, Come on, man. It is possible to cuss and be positive at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Exactly. It, they talking about you can't do this shit in the fucking boardroom. Nigga, we not in a boardroom. In the boardroom, right. This is hip hop. Nigga, this right. shit. Who's doing free? Who's freestyling in the boardroom? I don't know, man. <laughs> Who's rapping in the boardroom? That's what I'd have been like. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. And they talking about the radio. I'm like, nigga, we got fucking 10 other songs. Pick another one for the radio. You know what I'm saying? There's a, there's a song about what that's. Who the fuck listens to the radio, anyways? There's a song about what that's. There's a song called Wet Ass Pussy. I, I yeah, would, yeah, you're right. You're right. That is a song called "Wet Ass Pussy." Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and that is and that is the most happiest song I could ever think about. Yeah. It's some wet ass pussy. Oh, yeah. oh. He, he, like I said, he 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 been on some born again shit, and so I don't know. I like I I have cussed way less in the songs I've written recently. Uh huh. Mm. Like damn hell, yeah. you know what I'm saying? There's a, there's probably a in the last year or two, probably a couple songs I cussed on that I wrote. But um, I don't cut it back significantly because I know how they feel. You know what I'm saying? But, I, you know, right. and you should be able to do this without cussing, too. I mean, I think sometimes cussing is a lack of creativity. You know what I'm saying? It is. Yeah, it is. But other times, it is uh, uh, the only way to express an emotion. You know what I'm saying? What did, uh, what did Lauren Hill say? I had a motherfucker just yeah, to make niggas hear me. Yeah, you hear me. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So I don't know, man. So yeah, the shit, the, all the, and then all, all that shit was about you, but nobody tags you in the shit. They tag me. <laughs> <laughs> 
But they didn't even bring you out because they just they was really they didn't say nothing to you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I probably would. They probably I probably would have never seen. So what did you do to piss them off? Who me? Yeah, I'm me. You know who I am. I'm about to say. I, 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 I get that. Because <laughs> apparently they got pissed the off love. about it. This yeah, this is me. We'll come on there. We just argue with each other and piss everybody off, nigga. Yeah, y'all. Y'all I mean y'all, y'all. met me. Y'all. Y'all did about yeah. two hundred episodes with me. But you right. You a lovable, <laughs> you a lovable asshole. I mean, shit. The end of the day, it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know. know. Motherfuckers be acting weird. All right. So we. You know we, what? He pissing me off right now, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you got hey, but make sure make sure you add a curse word to it. That way niggas know okay. that you really pissed. That way you you, you don't seem you like, seem happy about this it. motherfucker pissing me off. <laughs> <All right. laughs> we good? Break bread with your brothers whenever possible.